raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. All right, thanks for waking up with us. It's the Wake Up Call here on The Fan in Indianapolis. As always, broadcasting live from the drivehubler.com studios. We made it into February. I'm back on this Monday. He's Kevin Bowen. I'm Andy Sweeney. We have Corbin with us today, who I think was scarfing. Where are you scarfing over there? Are we scarfing a sandwich, a breakfast sandwich? Jimmy Dean. Okay. Ooh. <laughs> Old faithful G- there. He had oh, yeah. a Jimmy Dean wrapped up in a coffee filter, which is, there's not many things more sports radio than that no. from Corbin. It's Why mess with success? Yeah, at 7.01 in the morning. Uh, but here we are. The Pacers finally off the schneid. Got a win last night. Great, great Sunday for Purdue basketball. A bad weekend for IU basketball. And a very good weekend for Indiana State. And Butler, KB, a good morning to you, sir. I decided to rock them both. The uh, trees. And the Bulldogs here on this Monday morning. Absolutely loved trying to stay up as late as I could on Friday night for just a wild win for Butler at Creighton. Uh, and then that was a fun one Saturday evening to watch Indiana State in that limelight. Uh, and, and they really it's a good get, game, too. They had a great game. They get that important win, and we'll see if it's enough. Obviously, they need to hold serve probably the rest of the way in the MoVal. But uh, yes, if you are a fan of your teams in West Lafayette, uh, I guess uh, Indianapolis, uh, a little bit there with Butler or Terre Haute. Uh, you are very, very happy. And if you are in Bloomington, you continue to watch an absolute clown show with where that program is at here in year three I of did, the Mike I did Woodson search it. era. I searched it. You searched the buyout uh, number? I, I, yeah, you, yep. <clears throat> See, we're reading each other's minds. I did search it uh, last night just to, just in case, just it, so I'd have that information in my mind. You could make the argument Saturday was the worst loss in the Woodson era. And he hasn't had the real, like, you know, glaring, ugly mid-major. Archie and Crean kind of had a couple of those. Uh, you could make that argument, but I certainly don't want to make sure the focus is on that here. To lead off, Purdue again, um, just away from home, Andy. Like it, it's, we're gonna have Rob Blackman on at nine, and that was the sixth time this season Purdue's played a game where they've played an opponent ranked in the top eleven. They're six and zero in those six games, and five of them away from home. And I'm sitting there watching yesterday, and you get to halftime, and they've got a lead. And Zach Eadie's made one shot, and they've hit one three-pointer. Yeah. Zach Eadie was what, one for five at halftime, I think it was. And they've only hit yeah. one three. So it's yeah. not like they just came out on the road and boom, all of a sudden they hit four or five threes, and Wisconsin's a little stunned by that. It, it, it continues to be. Week in and week out, uh, I, I continue to say, I sound like a broken record, but they find different ways to build leads and win games. And that is huge, huge when you get to March. Lance Jones continues to be. I got. I just absolutely have love for Purdue. Every time Wisconsin, I thought made a legit, legit run, and they made several of them. Uh, Lance Jones' craziness, uh, which I considered a good thing, uh, he helped answer those calls. So Purdue now in control of the Big Ten. They will not play an NCAA tournament team the rest of this month. So that was it. Their schedule really. And they're light. off the rest of the week until Saturday. Right. Yeah. Uh, they they get Indiana until Indiana and that beat down. on uh, on Saturday. <laughs> and I am very confused by the Pacers. That's where I'm at with the Pacers. Okay, you're confused. Why is Kevin Bowen confused with the Pacers? Now, I know Friday, a lot of the conversation had to be Halliburton minutes. Uh, and then we know what happened Friday night. And then Sacramento, la- or it's not Sacramento, um, goodness help me, Charlotte last night, not needing to extend him and play him 20 minutes. And now you have off until uh, tomorrow. So what's confusing Kevin well, Bowen on this Monday morning? What What are they? 
You lose your first three with Siakam. You win your next three. You lose your next three. They're inconsistent. Yeah, and, and now I'm that's like, what they are. And they're well, they, and, and Halliburton being injured has thrown a wrench into everything. Sure, no one's happy about question. what's going on right now. There's context around the confusion because yeah, the lineups are kind of jumbled. And I mean, even last night, I'm sitting there watching the game, and I'm like, there is part of me that wants to see Charlotte make this a little close just to so see what we they get do. a Halliburton answer. Right, right. We got nothing yesterday. He's on nothing. the elliptical in the fourth quarter. Still. Charlotte's just kind of lingering. <laughs> they, yeah, what get off the, the elliptical. What was the closest they cut it, it got, to? Maybe 10? I think it did. Did it get, did get single it get, digits? I thought it, well, let's see. Uh, Bridges had a kind of a runner to make it single digits. I don't know if he, he did not make that. Let me check real you quick. imagine but, cheering for a team with Miles Bridges well, on it? Well, that's an, I mean. On, on and off the floor. That story just vanished. On on and off the floor, yeah. but Brandon Miller, that is it's so Paul First George. First game in the thirties. It's, it's un, un, uncanny. You watch him and think of Paul George. Um but yeah, I'm just I, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, like, what are the Pacers? What are they heading into Thursday? Like Andy, Buddy Heald just played a season low in minutes. Is he gone on Thursday? I, I mean, I don't know what you do with Buddy Heald. Here? I mean, is, Buddy Heald. Is, is Andrew Nemhard in the starting lineup for good? Well, I mean, Carlisle after the game was like, listen, we're gonna start him for the next several games. So it sure as hell sounds like that's the case. I mean, Buddy Heald has been, I mean, he's had some spurts where he's been really good, but the last couple weeks, he's had a couple nice games, but for the most part, he's been inconsistent, and that's a nice way to put it. He's been disappointing, quite frankly. So I I just kind of come in on this Monday morning, I'm a little confused. They're in survival mode. We are at with the Pacers. They are a half game up on the play-in right now. That would be the Magic uh, just behind them. And remember, the Magic have the head-to-head. This season, so you don't want to flirt with that at all. Now, the great news for the Pacers is, you know, theoretically, you should be getting healthier. I, I, I felt like Halliburton, just judging by body language, could have come back in in the fourth quarter. Like, why would he ride the elliptical just to ride it? I mean, he's not, you know, Kevin Bowen trying to work out and getting one drop of sweat in and acting like he's just done P90X for every day and you ever done p90x before yeah have you ever done it before because i have do i look like i've done it? well i'm just i mean did you ever pop the dvd in and say i'm gonna do this i'm going to at least try this or what was the other one the insanity one guy right (laughs) you you're gonna lift some big weights or something okay crossfit to jump up on a box (laughs) 7 a.m uh and then if you do look at the schedule (laughs) the rest of the way uh this is one of the easier schedules Left And, of course, you know, Pacers fans could look at that as obviously glass half full or glass half empty and saying, well, you know, we didn't beat these teams earlier in the season. So I'm just stuck in a little bit of confusion with the Pacers. Um, I'm still optimistic about it, but I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know what the lineup's going to look like. Again, I don't know what Thursday is going to unfold for them with Buddy Heald and Obi Toppin in particular and how you handle both of those situations with the trade deadline because at the start of the year Andy and we'll have Tony East on at 8 30 to talk more about this at the start of the year they tried to get an extension done with Buddy Heald yes they did yes they did since then Buddy has been I would say inconsistent he's not had a great contract year and you've made a massive trade And the massive trade has now created a whole different financial book situation. If you want to look at it here for the next couple of seasons, and Tony East is a guy that's all all over that. So that's that's kind of a question I do want to throw Tony's way of the recent run, the Siakam trade. What do you think that's done internally to how the Pacers view healed? I think he's a guy that they like internally. Clearly Halliburton's a big fan of him. He still is a threat from a spacing standpoint. But man, when a guy that is on 
the supposed trade block or is in a contract year, just plays a season low in minutes and loses his starting job. Again. You'd be naive to look away from that. Yeah, what a weekend. Uh, and I know you guys talked about it on Friday. I was out. My uh, my wife's grandmother passed away, so it was the first time, and, and I say this, that, uh, that our little four-and-a-half-month-old was like the star of the show everywhere we went, KB. Uh, so he is so tired yesterday. <laughs> I think he cried the entire Pacer game. <laughs> He had the Sunday scaries. I think he, I think he had the biggest case of uh, Sunday scaries. He was like a kid going back to school on a Monday. It's exactly what he was. <laughs> but uh, I'm with listen. I'm with you on the Pacers. You know, catching up on stuff over the weekend. I mean, you had the back and forth on what was it Thursday. I know you guys talked about it on Friday between Carlisle and Dustin Depierak, where it's like, okay, so Halliburton's not going to play in these fourth quarter minutes. Uh, okay, so we need to know that. Well, then Friday they flipped it, and then Friday they flipped it, and he didn't play well and they lost to Sacramento and then last night I even tweeted it out I mean unfortunately for us they probably got exactly what they want he hit the threshold again to count this as a full game so he can get that super max deal something the last week and a half we've talked so much about he played 20 minutes uh, in last night's game and you could tell once they were up double figures and it ballooned if you will to 15 16 points that he probably was not going to be back even though he's uh, that's how great a shape these guys are in. I'll just go be on the elliptical for 45 minutes, even though I'm not going to play again. Uh, But you built that lead. You were not going to lose that game. After the game, Carlisle's like, we just got it. We got the win. We survived, and we got out. And now you get Houston coming into town. Houston, I believe, is in town uh, coming up on Tuesday. To me, you ask what they are. Uh, To me, they are in survival mode, and I can, just by reading everybody, Halliburton's comments, Carlisle's comments, this is going back to late last week, all the way through the weekend. Everyone just, they, you know, they're trying to figure out how to play Halliburton without him re-injuring the hamstring, but where they can still get something from him where it also all makes sense together. And it's just a difficult dance to do. They are trying to do something that is just really, really hard to do. They needed to get that win last night. But, you know, here at some point, like they have five games before uh, they get to the all-star break. They have this five-game stretch here. Uh, and to me, the yeah, Houston Golden I, State at home this week. And that New and York on, on the road, road yeah. Charlotte and Toronto. So you have the big Knicks game, but you have, I mean, these are non-playoff teams. What, four out of these five yeah, teams Golden here State are non-playoff be, teams. Golden State will be the second night of a back-to-back. So, That's, that, uh, that is something. I know you've got um, a lot of you know Steph Curry fans. Can, and can, can, they go four, can they go four and one? I don't know. Is, is three and two what we need to talk about? Well, uh, but it, it's but weird. when do they up Halliburton? That's the question. You label them in survival mode, and and I kind of agree with it, but I'm like, last night every guy was available to them. Like, if you want to look at survival mode, how about the Knicks with their injury situation? How about Charlotte last night? I mean, down what? <laughs> their Poor two Charlotte, leading scores for their top seven. They've <laughs> won ten games look. all season. It's like, a rough look. That, to me, describes survival mode a little bit. So it, it is weird how at least I kind of view the Pacers on this Monday morning. Again, I bring up the Steph Curry back-to-back, and I say this in all seriousness. I know there's probably a lot of parents out there of young children that have probably bought tickets or looking forward to Thursday nights. And if you look at Wednesday night for Golden State, they have a nationally televised game. Now, I don't think Steph has been the king of like load management back to backs, but I mean, hell, the dude just scored 60 in overtime the other night there. But just something to keep an eye on uh, as Golden State will be inside of Gambridge Fieldhouse for their lone visit here coming up 
on Thursday. Again, a lot of college basketball focus for us today. Rob Blackman at nine. That 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 Purdue resume. I mean, there's just nothing more decorated in college basketball than that right now. You could probably get into a pretty heated debate. Who's better, UConn or Purdue? Uh, Jake just, Purdue. Just strictly yeah. as a basketball sure. team. Sure. UConn's had a lot of injuries this sure. season, sure. and they still have gotten to this point. But if you are, again, just going off of what the resume looks like, I mean, yesterday, uh, another huge feather in the cap to do that away from home. And again, Andy, to be having a lead at halftime when the National Player of the Year has hit one bucket and you've hit one three-pointer, like that just to me is another thing that stands out about Purdue's season of it doesn't have to be 35-12 and 12 for Meaty night in, night out. It doesn't have to be 12 or 14 three-pointers for them night in, night out. They've got some different ways. They, they are not perfect but they've got different ways that they can win games. And every time Wisconsin made that run, and they did, again, cut it to one possession on several, several occasions, it seemingly to me was Lance Jones every time. Yeah, it got down to three. He comes down, he hits a three. And then later in the game, I think it was two. I might have my plays. It got down uh, to two mixed, on yeah, that big drive. He yeah, had. yeah, mixed up. And he, he, had, he had the decision. Am I going to take this? Am I going to take this the distance and drive in and get the layup? Or uh, And he, he obviously did, and he's fantastic. I saw this from John Rothstein. Braden Smith has 167 assists this year. He had 153 all of last year. KB, we still have all of February to play. Boy. We still have into March to yeah. play. I mean, he's going to, I don't think he's going, he's not going to double that number, uh, but his play has been so high. The reality is, and we've known this with Purdue, there's two things. Number one, I don't see them giving up like the Big Ten lead again. Like they are going to win the regular season Big Ten. If they win that by a game, game and a half, two, three, we'll see. But to me, you mentioned how many tournament teams they play the rest of the month is zero uh, in the month of February. So many of these games, they're going to cruise. They can have a C-minus game uh, and go out there and beat teams such as Indiana. We'll get to the Hoosiers a little bit later on. Uh, But there's like the other thing, there's nothing left We've been waiting to check all these boxes with Purdue because we think, okay, they've done this and this. This means they won't choke in March. There's nothing left they can do in the regular season. Hell, I'll even throw in, KB, the Big Ten tournament. Uh, There's no other box to, to leave unchecked. I mean, the Northwestern game was a home game, a crazy game, a game dominated by guards, and a high scoring game that went to overtime. Okay, Bo Boo. I mean, these guys can hit threes. Wisconsin is a possession game, on-the-road type game, coming down to the end, and they can win that game. If you want to win, if you want to win in the 60s and 70s, you want to win in the uh, you know the 90s and 100s, Purdue, uh, Purdue can do it either way. There's, you know, I sit here this Monday. There's just nothing left for them to do to check any more boxes. Now, fans would say a sweep of Indiana would would make them feel very, very good. So, well, I can't believe they don't sweep Indiana. Well, yes, I know. I'm just saying from a <laughs> Saturday from a fan sanity standpoint. I mean, Indiana is just dreadful. That just is dreadful. So you're telling me Penn State didn't have its leading score? Penn State scored 62 points in the final 25 minutes. Without their leading score, correct? I just want to make sure I have that right. Not a good start. Yeah, I um, I tweeted out on for Indiana on Saturday Yikes. afternoon. I did the uh, I did the old star ranking of the starting I saw, lineups. I saw you throw out the old star ranking. The star rankings, uh, And I mentioned at the end of the tweet something I've said for several months now. And Andy, you were all over this from the start of the season. Like 
the warning signs were neon in the non-conference. The only reason they survived those non-conference, just putrid, pathetic efforts is because they were simply taller. Right. Cleo right. Like, uh, over 40 minutes, Cleo Ware got three extra offensive rebounds, and you beat Army by six, or whatever those scores were. Or you beat Florida Gulf Coast when they didn't have their leading score in that one. Uh, but no program in, in college basketball, to me, invests more and gets less out of it than Indiana basketball. None. And, and if you are a... Corbin, how old are you? Oh, here we go. How old is Corbin? I have not, I can't um, tell by looking at you how old 26. you are. Six. Twenty-seven. Uh, you're a little high. Twenty-four. Oh, he's only twenty-four okay. years old. So if you are Corbin Lingenfelter Good and you, you are twenty-four years old, you have watched Indiana basketball be an average Big Ten team. Point blank period. Just at smack dab middle of the Big Ten team in his lifetime and that's why so many people you know i'm like how do you not know the rich history of indiana basketball and oh my this and that if you are corbin at 24 years old all he knows is average just a again right there in the middle of the big 10 conference yet they invest like none other and andy you know this coming from a little bit of sec country there are so many programs that do invest richly in nil but 90 percent of them it's football first. Indiana's one of the yeah. five to ten percent that it's the opposite. It is no, no, no. Oh my gosh, we'll give Anthony Leal this and that. We'll, we'll do anything for the tenth guy on the bench. Not many f- college programs do that for basketball, and to get so little out of it has got to be absolutely maddening. Well, that, that it's not only that. It's it's you know you're paying Mike Woodson now. He got the raise last year. You're paying him KBO for four million dollars. For all of this, I mean, he's a top three or four coach in the Big Ten God, when it comes to pay. Yeah, he got the million dollar raise all the way through twenty twenty seven through the through the. I listen. They are. I know. I know. We need to take a break. We'll get to a morning check down. We got a bunch of sound. Tony East at eight thirty, but uh, Indiana is is a mess, and it's to the point to where Mike Woodson is going to make next year have a ton of pressure and later on I think there's a reason that's going to come out on why Indiana fans are even grumpier about this team and it has absolutely it doesn't have anything to do with this season so we'll dive into that uh, as well but Indiana bears themselves on Saturday what a fun Friday and Saturday for those that are fans of the Butler Bulldogs and the Indiana State Sycamores just much needed for their respective resumes for Indiana State they might not need it but still, it's a nice insurance policy to have. And for Butler, you talk about a team right now starting to take advantage of these opportunities. That's two road wins over top 15 teams. Of course, the Big East, uh, there is no rest at all. It is at UConn tomorrow night for Thad Mata and his bunch. Good Monday morning to you. I am Kevin Bowen, Andy Sweeney with us, of course, and Corbin Lingenfelter on the ones and twos. Thanks for spending this Monday morning with us. It is the wake-up call. KB and Andy on 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, 
and everything in between. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. All right, let's dive into it. Pacers over the Hornets last night. 115-119, or excuse me, 115-99. That's your final second wire-to-wire win of the season for the Pacers. And what, the first time they've held someone under 100 points. I know it's the stinky Hornets. Uh, Brandon Miller, pretty good, though. 35 points, his first uh, 30-plus point ever. One thing we talked about, KB, in segment number one, Andrew Namhard into the starting lineup, played 27 minutes last night. Didn't score, but did play 27 minutes and did get the start last night. Post game, here's Rick Carlisle on Nemhard back in the starting lineup. They're starting to get real synergy. Uh, you know, Nemhard back in the lineup is something we thought made sense really for this game and potentially the next few. We'll see. But he gives us he gives us flexibility and it makes the ecosystem of our roster work better. Okay, so 20 minutes for Tyrese Halliburton last night. Again, we didn't see him in the fourth, but I think that was just because of the lead, not necessarily because of his health. Minute restriction-wise, it's still a question, though, as we enter here the last full week of the first half of the season, if you will, before the All-Star break coming up next week. I do want to play a clip coming up here on the other side. Andy, a lot of our debate Friday was about the confusion around Halliburton and staggering those minutes Friday was a game to forget because they lost to the Kings. The defense was awful, but we did see Halliburton in the fourth quarter of that one. Rick Carlisle, I thought, explained it a little bit better uh, on uh, after Friday night's game. So I do want to play that clip uh, coming up here on the other side. Again, the final two home games of the first half of the season is this week. That is Houston and Golden State. Yes, Golden State is on the second night of a back-to-back. So just keep an eye out there for the Steph Curry watchers. For Thursday nights. All right, college basketball rundown from the weekend. I have no idea what order to go in. Let's start with the best team in the land, I guess. The Purdue Boilermakers, 75 69 in Madison uh, yesterday afternoon. Uh, they built the first half lead in a different way. Again, Zach Eady just with one field goal in the first half, just one three pointer. They're up at half. Wisconsin punched. Wisconsin came back several points in that second half. Purdue, though, answered. Every single time. So now the Boilermakers in control of the Big Ten. They do not play another NCAA tournament team the entire month. They will play Illinois and Wisconsin to close out the season. But Andy, if they are able to take care of business and the Fighting Illini and Badgers, Fighting Illini almost lost at home last night to Wisconsin. If they have a few slip-ups, Purdue could, could lock up the Big Ten by the end of the month. I tweeted this out. Did you guys happen to see the Zach Eady dunk uh, in the second half where it bounced off that winner guy's head, the freshman. Oh, the poor like freshman. He dunked it in yes. it. <laughs> uh-huh. it. Bounced off his, the poor kid had bounced off his head three times. He's got a guy 7'5 dunking on him. 
Get him ball bounced off his head. Some pleasantries <laughs> from the Cole Center faithful towards Zach Eadie. not giving up the, the Big Ten the rest of the, the rest of the regular season here? Like they're going to win it now. Like yeah. That's how big that game was. If Wisconsin would have won that game, we could have had the conversation of, hey, do you care? You know, you know Purdue, they can still be a one seed and not win the, re- uh, the regular season Big Ten. They're going to win the regular season Big Ten, obviously. I'm Butler with the shirt, Indiana State with the hat today. Let's go back to, I guess let's start Saturday, or I guess let's call it back to Friday, honestly. In the wee hours of Friday into Saturday morning, Butler beats Creighton 99-98. How about a road win in, I would say, arguably the hardest environment uh, It's a massive win in the Big East it's massive without your win. starting point guard. Yeah. Posh Alexander does not play in that game. It's typical Butler with Thad Mata here, uh, how he has used the portal so effectively. Great balance. Jameel Telfort, I, I've said to Thad before when we've had him on, Andy, he looks like he's got a bunch of NFL dudes on his team. Jamil Telfort is one of those. He had 26. Uh, how about Bowden Kapke, the freshman center, coming in and hitting two huge free throws with less than 10 seconds to go. Butler played the foul game up three very correctly, and they get a huge, huge resume win at Creighton. Again, no rest whatsoever for the Bulldogs. They board a flight today for UConn. They are at UConn. Tomorrow night, you got a nice win over the weekend. They beat the uh, they beat St. John's. So it was a big game. St. John's had Dan one. Hurley and Ricky. Yes, Peter, right. Uh, supposedly they're supposed to hate each other. That's what happens when you have two people that are too fo- too much alike. <laughs> they, end up, they end up not liking each other. You got Indiana State ranked today. <laughs> Yeah, I got no problem with that. Yeah, rank them in the top 25. Sure, they were, yeah, Indiana State ranked. If you want to count the receiving votes, I think they were 31. Yeah, they had a couple. Last yeah. Week. yeah, sure, throw them in. I got no problem with that. Robbie been- Avila, how about the three he hits to go up 70-67? The shot hurt around Paradise he, there. He's starting to get some uh, He's starting to get some national him. love. I saw I, some tweets go out this that weekend. That was my first time getting like the full 40 minutes yeah. of Indiana State this year. Did you lock in? Uh, I, I, I did. I love their makeup. Julian Larry, Ryan Conwell, the Pike kid. Uh, Kent, the, like, I guess you label him a four man. I think he had 20 rebounds against Drake there. Those are two teams that I both, I, I'd love to see Drake in the tournament as well. But what a great win for Indiana State. Awesome scene in Terre Haute. They are now 20 and three on the season. And again, they are in control. We talked about it on Friday. The game of the year in the Moval, the game of the year in the Big Ten. Up to this point, Purdue and Indiana State both get it done this weekend. Yeah, Indiana losers. We'll just wrap up a couple different things. Indiana, they lost uh, 71, 85, 71 to Penn State. I don't know what else there is. I mean, I know we'll dive into it more in the 8 o'clock hour, but Indiana stinks. Uh, Mike Woodson, after year three, is going to be well under 500, I believe, in the Big Ten. He's going to be making over $4 million a year. Uh, so whatever. Indiana lost by 14, and I, I don't just I just don't know what else there is to say about IU basketball. They've been lackluster all season, and I thought this was – in our. You mentioned it. This was an Archie Miller type game. That that's what losing to Penn State without one of their better players is when you're at home yeah, in Assembly and, Hall and and you're out of the game much of the much of the second half. I yeah, mean, you I mean, really you can, are. You can make a pretty stark argument. It's the worst loss in the Woodson era. I tweeted this out on Saturday for those that did not see it. The star rankings of the starting lineups from the two teams on Saturday afternoon: Indiana four star, one thirty one overall; four star, one fifty eight; five star, ten overall. Four-star, 38 overall, and a five-star ranked seventh overall in their respective classes. Penn State, (laughs) three-star, 242, four-star, 90, three-star, 188, three-star, 294, four-star, 124. Without their leading score, they come into Assembly Hall 
and win by 14. Yeah, in the second half there, a, a complete disaster. A couple other just just quick items. Joel Embiid set to have surgery, so that's going to that's a huge deal for Philly. And they are right uh, now that, the team above uh, Indiana in the standings. It, it's huge. It is a four-game gap, though. So yeah. it, it's a big gap, but if Embiid's out for, I mean, he, months. He's going to be. I mean, he's going to be out. They think this could last into uh, the postseason. We've seen him have those knee injuries. Cliff Kingsbury taking the OC job there in Washington. I know that's a bit of saga. He's that been going Caleb back Williams? from last week. I don't know. We'll see. I've never seen a quarterback say, I just cannot wait to play for Washington. But maybe that changes. He's from there, right? He I know. Yeah. Gonzaga we'll, High we'll, School we'll, right there. We'll see. Uh, and then uh, the World Cup final awarded in 2026 to New, New York, New Jersey. That was a big story working its way. I know Jimmy Cook, I'm sure, cares about such things. So correct me if I'm wrong. Are they all those fields become grass for the World Cup, right? Because isn't it yes. all this talk about the MetLife turf? Yeah, I believe I believe so. Yeah. Colts will be on the MetLife. I would be the turf last guy to ask on soccer, twice but I believe season. that's the well, case. I don't know. D- didn't Louisville have a or do they have a, the equivalent of Indy 11? Uh, they have a, an equivalent is of Indy Cincinnati 11. Cincinnati that yeah. has the MLS uh, team? Cincinnati, yeah. Cincinnati poured a ton of money. They got a big stadium and everything else. Yeah, good for them. Uh, on the other side, we are three days away from the NBA trade deadline. Where are we at with the Pacers and that? And the minutes restriction for Tyrese Halliburton. It has changed since we last spoke. Rick Carlisle, a little bit more clarity on that topic. We'll explain more on the other side. And a lot of college basketball chatter throughout this Monday morning. Again, thanks for spending it with us. It is the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy here on 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. All right, hanging out with you until 10 o'clock today. KB and Andy, it's the Wake Up Call here on The Fan. Tons to talk about today. Tony East going to join us coming up at 8.30. Rob Blackman, voice of the Boilermakers, will join us as they were in Wisconsin and now several days off before a Saturday matchup hosting IU. So that'll be a lot of fun. And then early on, we've reached out to several luminaries, right, for Friday's show to get you ready for Purdue and Indiana. Yeah, I think we'll have you covered. <laughs> as, as much as we can, uh, the Indiana ones will not be happy, I'm sure, uh, about what their uh, fortunes are going to be. Indiana does have Ohio State uh, coming up tomorrow. Ohio State has been bad this season. I don't know what's what's happened to Holtman. He was a good coach there. Yeah, really, if you look at it seasons. from a local angle this week, tomorrow is by far That's the busiest yeah. day. Like you said, nothing for Purdue. You got Butler at UConn tomorrow at 830. Again, Indiana's at Ohio State. That's Peacock at 7, Pacers, Rockets. Uh, Xavier Johnson listed as day-to-day. So we did see Malik Renew play on Saturday. Um, again, Xavier Johnson just listed as day-to-day. So, you know, I guess if you're looking for arguably the only positive for Indiana basketball right now, it would be that those two injuries are not season-ending. Uh, okay, so let's dive into this. Let's set this up, and you might be able to do a better job than I. So this is after Friday night's game, right? Because most people may not have heard this So uh, with a long weekend. Yeah, so basically Friday's show for us, Andy, um, centered a lot around the confusion over Tyrese Halliburton's staggering of his minutes. You know, if you go back to Thursday in New York, uh, we saw the Pacers let that one really get away from him late. Now, Jalen Brunson, terrific, 40 points. But, I mean, also Indiana just got absolutely owned on the glass and every loose ball the 50 50 balls and and I think a question exiting that was that the out hustling and the just uh, lack frankly uh, of matching the Knicks effort well, they played so great the first half one. they played so good in the first half I should say but also in the fourth quarter you want your dude out there yeah. and the Pacers clearly have that guy with Halliburton and uh, you know Siakam just couldn't handle that um, on, on Thursday night so the question was you know could you divvy up these Halliburton minutes to where he doesn't exit midway through the third, and right. that's the last that we see of him. Because whether it was Tuesday in Boston, 
or Thursday in New York. That was the plan for him. So we played the Rick Carlisle audio on Friday's show after that. And Dustin and Perrick and Rick, they just they weren't on the same page whatsoever in like addressing that aspect to it. Rick wanted to turn to the I'm not gonna reveal our plan for him. And if you've seen it, Pacers have been a little coy about Halliburton before these games. They've announced him as a game time decision but they don't want to tip their hand if he is starting or if he's not starting. So we'll see how long they continue to play that sort of game. But you know, Dustin was trying to clarify to Rick, no, 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 I'm not asking that. I'm asking more of the, what has your medical team told you about we are front-loading Ty- uh, Tyrese's minutes and not necessarily spreading them out throughout the four quarters. Now, Friday night against Sacramento, they did change they, they, they really kind of flip-flopped it. He did not start the game. He was back in the locker room. Maybe that, you know, being at home, it helps you out to have that sort of stuff available to you. Then he did the elliptical song and dance for a few minutes in the first quarter. He then came in the game and then played in the fourth quarter. Now, obviously, it didn't matter. Sacramento really controlled that game from start to finish, especially the final three quarters. But we did see a flip of that. So, basically, for our audience, Andy, Friday, we were confused. We didn't get a great answer on why the Pacers had been going with that original plan with Halliburton. Then Friday night, we see them flip the plan. And here was Rick Carlisle. And this is kind of a longer clip, but I think provides a little bit more clarity on why the Pacers decided to change things up with Tyrese Halliburton and spread out his minutes more into the fourth quarter. An injury, a significant amount of time. You, know, you want to take a player from warm-ups to starting to short intervals of rest to keep him warm, and then when it's time, when it when it when you meet the uh, get to the minutes threshold, it's a shutdown and that's it. And so, you know, the first two games that made sense. Um, it was decided on by medical staff, Tyrese, um, coaching staff, um, and tonight uh, it was a it was a shift. Um, not an easy thing to do, obviously. But being at home, having the ability to use a practice court to stay warm and, and be ready to jump into the game, uh, those were positives. And so that was the decision. Um, you know, the hope is that as we move move along here, that the the minutes levels increase, and that you know all this can fade away. But, you know, player health has got to be, you know. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love. Hanging with friends who lift you up and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. 
Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. It's got to be at the top of the list of priorities. And so um, sometimes you go through this, these kinds of challenges bringing a player back. Obviously, he had the so again, that was Rick Carlisle on Friday night after the Sacramento game. Now, Andy, as we sit here and the Pacers have played one game since, we have not seen the minutes really increase at all for Tyrese. It was 22 in each of the first two games when they were kind of front-loading the minutes, if you will. That Friday night against Sacramento, he played 19. He played just the start of the fourth quarter. He exited, and the Pacers never really made it close for him to go back in the game. Now, the reverse of that happened last night. Uh, Charlotte never got close enough for the Pacers to put Halliburton in. He ended up playing 20 minutes last night. He had 17 points and four assists. I thought by far the best he's looked in the four games. What'd you think of the fake in the hamstring since injury? <laughs> his return? I thought the fake of the hamstring was one of the wilder moves I've seen from him because the issue, too, was they just went to break right after that. And I'm like, I'm 90% uh, got, sure he was faking yeah, that. I got to sit here for two minutes now. But yeah. wait a minute. Like, <laughs> getting a Denary back on the screen. Can we, like, you know, interject during a commercial? <laughs> Usually, like, they have the commercials that interject right, during the right, game. Yeah, can we feel better? It? Yeah, like the one where they do where they're at the free throw line. Sure. Yeah. Can we go the reverse of that? <laughs> um, for those that did not watch last night, Andy, it had the look of him going back in the game. And, and I know I'm speaking a little out of turn by saying that. But the dude was on the elliptical throughout the fourth quarter. I don't think you're writing that just for show. Aren't you writing I, that if you're going to go back in the game? So, and, and so Charlotte you think, never got it closer right, to than right. like 10 so or you, So you think they were going to up this, and maybe he plays the final six, seven minutes of the fourth quarter, perhaps, or six or seven minutes in the fourth quarter. Doesn't have to be the back end. And we kind of move, instead of 22 minutes, now we're up to 26, 27 minutes, yeah. perhaps, maybe last no, night. I, I, yeah, but then that, they never, you know, it never slapped him in the face. Here's my thing. That's my thought, at least. Yeah, I, I Listen, I'm kind of with you on that. Um, Otherwise, why would he be uh, – maybe that's his passive-aggressive way of saying, hey, coach, I'm staying ready. The hammy's warm. I, You know, I can go back into this game if it ever got down to 5, 7, whatever that was. Okay, so we uh, we agree here that, like, no one's happy w- with this going on. Like, Rick Carlisle can't be happy. Um, Tyrese Halliburton can't be happy. And what they're trying to do – am I wrong here? What they're trying to do – is just a song and dance that is just so difficult. I mean, you go back to that Knicks game. They led by, what, five going into the fourth quarter in that game. They were down three going into the fourth quarter against Boston, and you don't see Halliburton. And uh, again, they they uh, part of me gives them credit for sticking, obviously, with 22 minutes, especially in the New York and Boston game, KB, to where they're like, this is this is the rule, this is the minute restriction, and we're not going to move from it. 
the problem with it is you had a chance to win both of those games and you didn't win both of those games and the New York game, Halliburton's sitting there and, and you're quite literally bleeding out on the floor there uh, in Madison Square Garden. So what they're trying to do I commend them for we're going to be cautious with this young basketball player. If he injures the hamstring further and we don't have him going forward here in the rest of February and March and hell, even perhaps the All-Star game matters to him. It matters to the team that he's playing. If we don't have him for these moments, you know, you can forget about seeding in the playoffs. It is going to be a hard trek. So they're thinking we can play him a little bit more, you know, now we can get some of that Halliburton magic and perhaps because we are at that position guys like TJ McConnell guys like Andrew Nemhard, that we can survive it the thing is they're being half pregnant and so far the team hasn't responded too well to that and so and then Sacramento it blows up in your face to where okay now he's going to be available for latter parts of the game and you're out of the game and then last night it's a good thing but last night we were hoping to get a little bit of data right we were hoping to get uh, some information hey are we going to take this from 22 minutes to 27 minutes to 28 minutes and the answer never came because Charlotte obviously it's not that good in the Pacers. It's a good thing for them. Took care of business. But for me, they are trying to do a tightrope dance here. Don't you feel that way to where they're trying? I mean, Carlisle's trying to say, okay, we need to use him here. Maybe we can use him a little bit later on. But I mean, that's, it's just a difficult, like what they're doing, I commend them, but it's just, it's just very difficult to do. Well, is it not? It, and it's also, I mean, he never should have been on the floor in Portland going back a couple well, weeks ago. That much is obvious. And, and how it's much of setback. that was to do to Pascal Siakam's first game? You know, I, I yeah, but why would they give in on that? They, I know. They seemingly and, and haven't, I mean, they were, Bleeding out on the floor, Madison Square sure. Garden, and they didn't give in. They didn't put him back in for five minutes. And this is the awkward balance to where, and I don't think it's that crazy to speak to it. This is, I think, the awkward balance in dealing with a star and catering to that star. Like, you know, Tyrese Halliburton's got a pretty damn loud voice within the Pacers organization. And part of me is like, he should have a really loud voice, but then, you know, moments like that game in Portland or what, there are times where it's like, you got to pull the reins back, but then if Tyrese is sitting there saying, wait a minute, I want to play 65 games. I want the extra 40 or 50 million. You're kind of left saying, well, guys, we want to keep him happy, don't we? Yeah. I mean, there's a reason Rick Carlisle uh, stomped his feet and got tossed from that game against Denver. It wasn't because Jairus Walker got fouled. It wasn't because TJ McConnell got fouled. It was because he thought Pascal Siakam got fouled. And you want to cater to your star. It's In a way, it's kind of the sad business of the league. It's also the sad reality of the league in a small market. Um, I think the other thing exiting this weekend, Andy, and again, uh, I I let off the show saying I'm confused about the Pacers right now. I think they're going to figure it out. I think this is still a five or six seed. Like My preseason thoughts on them I think are still there. But I also am like, what happens Thursday? Like, where are you at trade deadline? Um, There is part of me over the late January, maybe even the first start of February, I thought, all right, they're just going to stand pat. They are just going to roll with what what they've got right now. 
and this is going to be the group for the final couple months of we the season. We thought that last week because of what Chad Buchanan told JMV. Sure. And like, hey, we just went through a big trade, guys. And they'll figure it out in right. the offseason, you know, what their salary cap looks and like, And if a guy walks away and you don't get anything for him, you know, I mean, that's that's the price you pay to try to win a playoff series. But last night, with a healthy bunch, and, you know, Halliburton would be the one in quotes, but with a healthy group, Andy, it was a season low in minutes for Buddy Heald. He's been a guy that has now been benched again. Um, Andrew Nemhard, it sounds like, is going to be not only the starting two guard for tomorrow night, but that's the plan moving forward here, at least in the immediacy. And I think that question needs to be back on the front burner for where you're at come Thursday. And we're going to have Tony East on in, uh, I guess, a little bit over 30 minutes to join us. Remember, at the start of the year, they wanted to bring Buddy Heald back. They had extension conversations with him. So much has changed since the start of the year. I mean, you've made a massive move to your basketball team. Do you have room for $20 million a year for a guy over the age of 30? Again, I think Buddy... The answer is no. So Don't you feel that way? I mean, so, so the then, answer to me is no. The Buddy so don't you move him on Thursday I, then? To, yeah, I would, yes. If you're asking me what what I think the fate of Buddy Heald should be, not will be because I do not know, right. but what it should be... Do you feel that way about Obi Toppin? I, I probably don't. I probably don't. I, I feel like, here's the thing. Buddy Heald's value for this team, I think, has changed. Buddy Heald is, let me go back. This team, offensively, is so good, is so dangerous, and is so multiple on the amount of guys, all the different guys from Miles Turner to whoever is playing point guard, KB, that every single position on the floor, maybe not Siakam as much, can make threes. And because they make so many threes, it's not coming from just one guy. So if I told you, if Buddy Heald played on IU's basketball team, okay, just just pretend for a oh, second, God. okay, and they could use it, and you know, and he was making, they made you know eight threes a game, and he was making five or six of them. The value for me of Buddy Heald would be so high on that team because he is making their perimeter shots. He is making a majority of them. That is not the case here, and it's clear. He's not playing the best basketball. Now, you may say if he got past the trade deadline and he knew he was going to be here for the rest of the season, for the remainder of the year, would that change things? Would he ease into it and be the shooter you have seen him? You know, water coming up to level. That might be the case. The other thing that I find interesting, and I don't know, and this would be perhaps a Tony East question at 830. Zach Levine is out for the year in Chicago. The reason I bring that up is he was the top, was he not, Kevin? The top shooting guard that was going to be available come trade deadline time, right? I mean, that's he was going to be the conversation this week. Much, much yes, different yeah. game and contract. But, uh, much different game and much, Buddy Hill. But Buddy would be kind of a second option if there were a team looking to add something like that and looking to add something without all of the contractual obligations and everything else. Not nearly as good of a player. Levine is a dynamic player, can get to the bucket, been in dunk contests and everything else. But does Buddy now have more value given that someone like that is off the market and is out for the remainder of the season? That's also something to remember. But uh, to, to me, Buddy has been for the most part, disappointing. I feel like he's been benched, what, three times this season? Two or three, he's lost his starting spot. I think one of the bummers here over the last month is with all the injury and the trade and the constant juggling of lineups, you haven't gotten a clear evaluation 
on what the group looks like. Again, they've been so Jekyll and Hyde since the Siakam trade. They lost the first three, then they win their next three, then they lose three in a row, and then last night they win one. Like it, it just things need to slow down for them. They need to get healthy and in a rhythm, which it should and borderline will. The problem is, is the trade deadline doesn't slow down. Right. It is Thursday. It's Thursday. You have one yeah. game before that. So again, getting a clear about like last night. The Pacers, again, it's the healthiest they've been in a month. Andy, Ben Shepard and Jairus Walker didn't play a meaningful minute. Yeah, Shepard played two minutes. So that is the question. Shepard, to me, had kind of earned a spot. Then it's like, well, did he just earn a spot because other guys were out? And then, of course, you know, he's not the same as Buddy. He certainly gives you a lot more defensively, but he is not going to be the scouting report threat that Buddy is, even if, you know, Heald's going through the slump that he has been going through. So certainly something I want to throw Tony East's way. When he joins us coming up here in about a half hour and exactly where he views the Pacers trade deadline-wise ahead of Thursday. Uh, what is that? Thursday? Usually Thursday afternoon, I think, is what the NBA does for their trade deadline. All right, coming up on the other side, it was a busy weekend in college basketball here in the state. And if you live in West Lafayette, you live in, I guess, Indianapolis, you live in Terre Haute, you were thrilled by the results from the Boilermakers, Dogs, and Sycamores. The same cannot be said in Bloomington. We'll do a little college basketball chatter on the other side. 8 o'clock hour, hanging out with you here on The Fan, broadcasting live from the drivehubler.com studios. KB and Andy, Kevin Bowen, Andy Sweeney, hanging out with you. Corbin running things today. Tony East going to join us at 8.30. We'll dive into some college basketball here in a second. Uh, Kevin looked at me during the break and goes, we'll start with the positive and then bleed into Indiana. And I go, bleed is the key word. Uh, before we do that, Corbin, you would like this. I know you would. Kevin, I don't know if you would. You know what You know what this week is, right? You know, it's Super Bowl week and everything. But what really is this week? This week at Super Bowl, Las Vegas. And I know some people there, so I'm going to get some insight. It's Radio Row, Kevin Bowen. The stinkiest place in America right now <laughs> is in Las Vegas, Nevada at Radio Row. Over 160 stinky sports radio stations. To be fair, there's a lot of smells in Vegas. <laughs> there's a lot Always. of smells. Uh-huh. And that, that, that room, that's not one of them. It's not a good one. Uh, so that's going on. We'll dive into some now, Super we, Bowl we nuggets this week. We should be having a, a player from the Super Bowl join us, right, at some point this week? I believe uh, we're, ta- Super Bowl? we're targeting uh, Tuesday or Wednesday huh? for that, I believe. We have a couple things up in the air. I did text my guy, Phil Sims, and oh. I say, my guy, Phil Sims. I've interviewed, know, him. Your guy. I've interviewed him three times. I guess that makes him my guy. Would, <laughs> Just would, name is this drop. reciprocated? Would Phil uh, feel the same way? Uh, he would not feel the same way. We'll find out if he comes on the air with us. You know, he's probably a little bit busy. CBS does have the uh, the Super Bowl coming up this weekend. So I figured I'm seeing all of the, because, you know, if you have a morning show, like if we were there right now, we'd be doing the show at 4 a.m. Vegas time. Like, there's no way you go to bed. Now, Travis Kelsey was not in the building last night at the Grammys. That's a bad job by him, right? Like, if you're, Could let, he have gotten an excused absence let me, for that? Let me ask you this. You're a Colts fan, and you have Kelsey on your team, and he wants to do a detour and go to the Grammys, but not fly with the team. I do not care one bit. Okay, well, I wouldn't care either, but you know who would care? Every single talking head show for the next five days. What do you do in the AFC title game? 11 catches on 11 targets for 140 yards and two two touchdowns? touchdowns? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. But he was not in the house. I think he's earned the right. job by him. On that. Yeah, coming up Sunday, it is the Super Bowl, obviously. I'm excited. Let's go. Sprinkle that chatter. A former Colt going to join us later in the week who will be playing in Super Bowl 58 coming up on Sunday. 
Uh, let's uh, certainly start with the good, and that would be Madison yesterday. Purdue against 75-69. Um, Andy, we started off with it, and, and really it's something that I've mentioned throughout really the past month or so when Rob Blackman joins us in an hour, Voice of the Boilers. I want to continue that conversation. But I just continue to be thoroughly impressed by Lance Jones and the no-fear element that he has brought this Purdue team. Because inevitably, Andy, I think when they get to, and we know where they're going to be playing, Friday of you know opening round of the tournament, they're going to be right here. They're going to be right over there at Gambridge Fieldhouse. Friday, Sunday, yep. And the nerves will be through the roof, obviously. But that is a kid, whether it was in Assembly Hall a few weeks ago and the early shots he made in that game or yesterday in Madison, there's just a no-fear element. And sure, at times, Matt Painter probably wants to pull the hair out a little bit. But I think what he can bring of the I-can-go-have-the-spurt-ability to get us a bucket, and in it's a variety of buckets. It's a three when Wisconsin cuts it to three, and I think at that point it was like a 7-0 run, and the Cole Center's rocking, and boom, Lance Jones sticks one. Or yesterday, again, later in the game, they cut it to two, and it's kind of that in-between of like, wait, should he drive it? Should he pull it back out? And boom, he no, drives it. He drives it. Right decision, too. It, it, it's a tough finish at the rim, and he converts there. That is just such a missing element, missing ingredient for this Purdue team. And there is going to be moments, without question, if you want to make a six-game run in March where lulls are going to be there and Braden Smith's getting suffocated on the other end of the floor um, one of the rare times and whatever, Edie's in foul trouble or the doubles on Edie are working very effectively and Mason Gillis isn't hitting those open threes and you just need somebody to go do something and go take the ball and you figure it out. And I just think he gives Purdue that element. And yesterday we saw it in the hardest road game they're going to have all year long in terms of the Big Ten. And again, Purdue continues to bolster the best resume in college basketball. Now they're in full control of the Big Ten, uh, entering a very manageable month. Like, I don't even know the next time, boy, I say this, and I know every single Purdue fan will say there'll be a game, or, you know, fans will say, why are you jinxing us? I don't know the next time they're going to lose. KB. I mean, Ken Palm has them 96 chance, a 96% chance to beat Indiana, 94% chance to beat Minnesota, 79 against Ohio State, 96 against Rutgers, 88 Michigan, 81 Michigan State. I mean, that could be one. Again, it's a home game. Michigan State has a, a you know a bunch of talent. They have Tom Izzo, but they have been an underachieving team. 57% chance on the road to beat Illinois, and then you end the season with a 78% percent chance to beat Wisconsin. What's the spread Saturday night? You were dead on in the first matchup, Purdue and Indiana. Oh, it, Purdue and Indiana. On that line. Oh, it's, it's double figures, is it not? You think it You think it starts at 8.5, or do you think it gets all the way to 10.5? I think, to me, well, that's hell, the question. Well, was 9.5 in Bloomington, aren't well, we looking Ken, at... Ken Palm has it a 20-point game, so to me, it would be. it's going to be double figures. So, so if I said 13.5? And and yeah, 12.5, 13.5. Don't you feel like that's the case? Uh, again, I, I don't know. Indiana, they're just, they'll have to do something... Out of out of their mind, they'll have to make a bunch of threes. They'll have to do uh, something that's ridiculous. But you know, the analysis for Purdue has just been—you know—they have been, and I mean this in a good way. I said this last week. They have been a boring team because they carry no drama. 
KB, they carry no drama. Think about it. I mean, they don't go through a three-game losing streak or a week and a half, two weeks where they play bad basketball or a you know a, a buddy heel type going through a massive slump. I mean, I don't know. I guess you could nitpick at a couple things, but I mean, they go from a sixty. I mean, they score in the nineties in Michigan. They come back Rutgers. They play a game in the sixties. Then Northwestern is that great atmosphere. I mean, people we're talking about. It. Everyone's like, ah, oh, it's one of the better atmospheres. All season in college basketball, they go to overtime. That Northwestern game is back and forth, big shots, guards, and so they're having to you know face a team that is so guard oriented. And then you know Wisconsin is going to be more of a possession game, uh, and and you win that one as well. And and Lance Jones is fantastic. I'd love like after the season if they make the Final Four, if they win it all. Obviously, I I just I'd love to know how if Matt Painter feels like. He's good at going in the portal. Does that make sense? Because everyone has to do it, but you're also getting you're getting experienced guys, but you're getting guys that have not played in anything like the Big Ten right. so in that, most of yeah. the time or I, the I SEC I, I or love, anything else. And, and I, hopefully we'll have Matt on again before the end of the season. But, yeah, I'd love to know the psyche behind it. You know, I, I'm, I, I'm kind of fascinated by the – Tell me the recruiting stories. Like, okay, what sold you on, you know, Braden Smith? Because at the time, Braden Smith was not – you know, power right. five offer here, power five offer there. And remember, Matt told us, you know, that was during COVID. And, and so you couldn't get sure. the, you couldn't the, do anything. the yeah. in-person stuff with them. But yet, you know, he had been told by a lot of people and did get a look at him that he felt like it was worth the offer. Um, yeah, what? you know, all, all these Big Ten teams at the top. And again, this should go to the frustration for Indiana fans. When you look at Marcus Damask at Illinois, you look at, and I know he didn't play great yesterday, but A.J. Storr at Wisconsin, you know, those two plus Lance Jones, none of these dudes were top 50 portal guys. Like, none of them had the decorated high school resumes and or, oh my gosh, can you imagine they've hit the portal right now and what they're going to mean and Duke and Kansas and, and, and Carolina and all these schools want these guys, but yet how does your staff identify? And I don't, I, I don't know. It's a, it's a total different skill. Is like, there like a Southern Illinois connect? I, I, I don't know what the connection <laughs> is there. There's always some guy you've worked with, some assistant coach that has seen him play. But I mean, you look at this team. They've had guys that have that have sat and had to earn playing time, starting time. You think of Kaufman, Ren. You know, guys that have had to sit. Then they've had guys play a lot as freshmen. You know, you think of Braden Smith, you think of Lawyer. Then it's a whole other thing with the transfer portal that, you know, even next year you're going to have to get a couple guys. I feel like every year you're going to have to go in the portal uh, and get some and get somebody but else. Painter has not really used the – I mean, last year, you know, it was like David Jenkins right. was the use of no. the portal. I'm trying to think of the, the – had that kid from Dartmouth who didn't really do anything at all. Boudreaux, I think was his name. Um, so it, it's not like they've been super active in it. But, man, I, I, I'll admit, when I saw Lance Jones' it, I was kind of like, oh, this is the guy's resume? But not only that, when he plays, it's like it makes it. You would oh, think you would think you sense. would think that he was a high four star 1, or five star player that had been in college basketball for a couple years and not an unknown guy. One thousand percent. Again, there's the no fear element. That yeah, sure. At times he's shooting one from Attica and Monticello, and you're like, oh boy, come on now, rain but it in. I got no problem with it. Oh boy, there are few moments, and yesterday was one of them where he stopped any sort of run. Again, if you are a fan in West Lafayette, if you're a fan in Terre Haute, if you're a fan of those at 49th and whatever it is of uh, Hinkle Fieldhouse, uh, you absolutely loved what you saw, too. Um, I did make a check of Joe Lenardi's bracketology. Andy, on Friday morning, so this would have been before Butler Creighton, Friday morning, 
he had Butler as the fourth team out. Right. So they had risen a little bit up from, I think, when we last discussed it last week. They get a great resume win. On the road, top 15 opponent. And they've got two top 15 road wins. When you get to Selection Sunday, how many teams are going to have that? How many teams are going to have even like a neutral side over Texas Tech? That's another really important win for Butler. And they've got several of them they could still nab here in February. If you look at teams above them, Gonzaga had another bad loss. They have fallen off a cliff this season uh, compared to where we are used to with them. I think Florida was above Butler. They lost as well. When the Bulldogs tip tomorrow night and we get kind of our updated bracketologies around, I think you're going to have a very like 50-50 Butler is either in the tournament or or at the very worst, like a the first or second team out. Uh, what a great, great win for Butler without their starting point guard on Friday night at Creighton. Yeah, Kempom has them losing by 13 to UConn. I, can I? But can that I, is like a pure house move, money game. Yeah, can I move UConn aside and say you have home games against Providence and Marquette? Yeah, and those right? are like, games those are that, huge games. St. Right, John's coming right. up later in the month. But beating Creighton on the road makes tomorrow night strictly house money. Well, I can't believe they won that game. Yeah. I don't mind saying it. I chalked that one up for a loss. I didn't think they were going to go on the road, and then the injury issues come out before the game. I didn't think they were going to win without yeah, Posh. Posh Alexander was all. a game time decision. He was out. Landon Moore gets the start. And a variety of guys. And this is what Butler is. For those that have watched Butler this season, and I get it, it's a very new-look team. It's a very new-look team. Uh, but that Mata, again, you talk about finding the right guys in the portal. You know, Getting a group to mesh together as quickly as he has. I mean, they had a really nice start to the non-conference. You know, it wasn't that slow of a start to the season at all with all these new faces. Jamil Telfort on Friday night was outstanding. Just bully ball by him uh, to get some big buckets late. Uh, and again, they win 99-98 in that one and, and just look like an awesome atmosphere in Terre Haute on Saturday. Really enjoyed watching Indiana State. Kind of my first 40-minute experience with Josh Schertz's team. Uh, Robbie Avila, how about the three that he hit there to make it 70-67? They beat Drake in They looked like one. they were going to lose that game. A couple yeah, different it times. Kind of started to slip you're away like, from like, them. Are they going to lose on the, uh-huh. their big night on ESPN2? DeVry, DeVry's, how do you pronounce the other kid's yeah, name? Yeah, I guess. He was going off. He looked like a player. He's a beast. Um, And he had had that ankle injury early in the game. I was thinking about this, and maybe this is too far-fetched with Indiana State. Okay, I like when you start thinking about things. Lenardi had him as an 11, okay? Uh-huh. Let's bump him up to a 10. Okay. And let's say they run the table, all right? <laughs> okay. They are 31-3 and three if they run the table. Okay. You're talking regular season and... And Moval. And, and Moval, uh-huh. okay. So they gotcha. clinch the automatic sure. berth. That is what they got to be better than an 11 seed if they do all right, that. Right, anyway, so again, yeah. hear me out. If they do that, let's bump them up to the 8 9 line. Okay. You put them on like where Florida sure, Atlantic was sure. last year. Remember, Florida Atlantic had sure. Memphis in the 8 9. You put them 8 9 right here at Gamebridge. You put Purdue, Indiana State. Oh, yeah. You got second some, round. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Do you like? I, I, of course I like. I always love when, when these things or, or happen. Or do you want to spread out? Or do you want to spread the schools? wealth? Ah, boy, I tell you, that's that's the thing. Um, I think the majority of people probably want to spread the wealth out a little bit among the state just because they would feel like as fun as Indiana State is, there ain't no way they're going to beat – I mean, there's no way they're going to beat Purdue. That would be the, the overall notion. And if you're a Purdue fan – 
Avi Love versus Edie is the matchup we Don't you want someone you don't know where you don't have that added pressure, especially given that you've been known to choke in the NCAA tournament the last couple years? Because I know if I was willing to be a betting man here, I would have said a few years ago. Now it didn't play out this way, thanks to St. Peter's, but wasn't Kentucky? Here at Gamebridge with the chance to play Murray State in round two. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it was, was a conversation. And I can imagine yeah. that had to be a little juicy. Oh, sure. Leading sure. into the opening round. Sure. Well, I mean, you've had Louisville play Murray State. They've lost uh, to Murray State before. Oh, yeah. Listen, I'm all for it. I'm just saying I think the majority of people would say uh, let's let's spread out our wealth a little bit uh, to a team that maybe doesn't know Indiana State that wouldn't take them lightly. I don't know. No, By the I way, am. can I go back to Purdue for one second? I would like to spread the wealth. If I'm I know. Well, if you're being honest, six minutes to go or so in that Purdue game, and then we'll get to Indiana. I just wanted to go back. I had this written down. Before they went to a TV timeout, Braden Smith drove left. He shot a floater with his right hand. It bounced off the, hard off the backboard. Edie caught it and dunked it. Was that a pass from Braden Smith? Did you happen to see that? I hate to put you on the spot yeah, here. We should have I, talked I, about this beforehand. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, because, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it was a Mahomes no-looker. Okay, because Eagle and Rathford were like, that's a that's 100% a pass. And I'm like, I don't know if it is. I don't know if I care. If it is, that's a real heady play for both yeah. of those guys. I would say any other point guard, particularly <laughs> probably a point guard in Bloomington, I would have said that is not a pass. It's just a hard shot but off I'm gonna, the glass. I'm going to give Braden Smith yeah. the benefit of the doubt. Wisconsin was 0 of 11 from 3 in the second half. And as Seth Davis tweeted out, that's not how you beat Capone. <laughs> like being re- referred to as Capone. Accurate there by Seth Davis. Um, well, I, Go I, ahead I, with Indiana. I, I, what do you want to say about Indiana? It, it's just what are we going to say? Come it, on. It's such a joke. It, it's Again, I, I think it's fair to call it a clown show that this is where you're at continually with this program. Um, you know, I brought up the Corbin Lingenfelter filling in for Mark Dykton. Uh Analogy early in the show. Corbin filling in today. 24 years old is Corbin. God bless um, him. IU basketball fan. Uh, the IU product he's seen in his lifetime is just an average Big Ten team. Point blank period. Average Big Ten team. He had what? A, a, a flirt of it in 2013. And that's absolutely it. And now you could look at Saturday. And with Penn State without their leading score, you call it the worst loss of the Woodson yeah, it's, era. It's an Archie Miller and, loss. And Andy, I think it's fair to say too. If Mike Woodson was not a former Hoosier, if he was not buddy-buddy with Quinn Buckner, we would be talking about him on the hot seat in much more of a realistic light than we are. I mean, there's nothing that I think Mike Woodson has earned, outside of, I guess, playing for Bob Knight 40 years ago, that has earned him necessarily benefit of the doubt. I, I think it's completely fair to say... You know, he benefited majorly from having walking into a program oh, with, you think with, so? with Trace Jackson yeah, Davis. Yeah, we're Race Thompson, Trace Jackson Davis. Yeah. Extremely established as one of the better players this program has seen, really, in the last, you know, couple of decades. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's a joke. I, you know, for Indiana fans to have invested so much in this to be the product that they sadly routinely run out there. And, Andy, you've been on this since the start of the season. I mean, the warning signs were flashing. In the non-conference, everybody said, "Oh, just give them time. Give them, you know, it takes teams to mesh together." I'm like, "Wait a minute, how many transfers do I see Butler having in that starting lineup, and how well do I see them meshing together right away?" Uh, it, it does not take this long, um, and, and the amount of wake-up calls that they should have had throughout this season, and yet none of them seemingly resonating whatsoever from them. Uh, yeah, it, it's an absolute joke that this is where we're at with uh, with Indiana. A couple different things uh, we have missed, and, and I have as well. We we have stressed 
the analysis of they can't shoot, they don't have guards. And by the way, all of that is very true. They cannot shoot threes. They play uh, an archaic style of basketball. They play a a style of basketball that is nothing uh, like you see in 2024. And right now they're 99th in the Ken Palm. And the reason I bring that up is, KB, where where we have been kind of wrong on this team is while the offense has been bad, their defense hasn't been any better. It's like, like, yeah, they're not good at anything. Nail like, slot rim is not like, working. Yeah, I is mean, what you're you, you should not be ninety-one to Wisconsin. We saw the Purdue game. We'll see that on Saturday. Eighty-five to Penn State I, without I mean, its leading score. Yeah, without their leading score, they're not a good def- uh, defensive team either. So they can't play on either side of the ball. They can't shoot the ball, and they can't defend. And we know they can't defend the three. And I've seen. I'm not picking on Zach Osterman, but it, you know the premise of his article was, and I'll do two things with the Indy Star was this can't happen next. Next year, And to me, there needs to be, and this goes to Greg Doyle's column, and he's spot on over the weekend. I don't know if Mike Woodson thinks that he was wrong here. I covered Kenny Payne at Louisville. Kenny Payne didn't get it. He didn't, th- he didn't know that he was the problem. And so I don't know if Mike Woodson thinks he did uh, a good job or a bad job. And Doyle used in his quote, or in his column, a quote, and I went back and I've been trying to find it in all the sound. I've had to delete some of the stuff from my mailbox. Our mailboxes around here fill up pretty full on the old outlook. So, Carbon, you know that's right. So Permanently I've had, delete. I've had to delete, permanent delete some of that stuff. But he had a quote a couple weeks ago, did Woodson, on Khalil Ware, where he was talking about how they were coaching him up and how, you know, the, the, the coaching staff was really taking into account how well he was doing. And that was a great thing for the coaching staff in Indiana basketball and everything else. What about everybody else? And so I just don't know if Mike Woodson is is thinking I am at fault for the team that I built or if he's going to put it always on the players. I, th- I find that to be interesting, and I also find it, and I don't know the line with Indiana fans. I don't. But there has to be a time where this turns into a – a toxic situation. You saw that at the end of the Tom Crean era with Archie Miller for quite a while. It became toxic. You're watching these games and you just wanted Archie to be out of there. I don't feel like that's the case here yet, but I feel like it could be the case. The matter the matter of fact is they're going to end this season. Two things and I'll be done. They're going to end this season and Mike Woodson is going to be under 500 in the Big Ten. And he's going to be several games, by the way, under 500 in the Big Ten. And then the other thing, and I think this will come up once Indiana fans digest truly what happens, and this team could lose many, many more games, is, I'm sorry, last year's Indiana team, I mean, I don't know, they beat Purdue twice, or second in the Big Ten, and they went in the round of 32, and they just laid down, and they fizzled out of the tournament. Like, they didn't end last year in March in any sort of a positive way. You fizzled out in TJD's last year. Yeah, you beat Purdue, and you had so many great moments in the Big Ten, but when it became nut-cutting time, you weren't there. 
in uh, in in March. I, I don't know. I think that's going to well, come back, and that's going to bite. Uh, that's going to bite Mike Woodson as well. I mean, winning one playoff, uh, one playoff, winning you know one tournament game in two years with yeah, TJD, I mean, top twenty pick, and one of the best players in school history, certainly in recent school history, and a bunch you, of good role players. You expect you know to yeah. be lasting longer than just the round of thirty two. Come to and. and not to mention, you know, really kind of outplayed, especially for the final, you know, whatever, 10, 15 minutes of like that Mike, game. Like Mike Woodson, sorry to interrupt, Mike Woodson needs to come out after the season and have a detailed plan on how this is not going to happen again. He needs to answer why they can't shoot threes, why they can't make threes, why they can't make free throws, why they don't have dynamic guards, why they put everything on a guy in Xavier Johnson who is a whatever player and who has been in trouble in Bloomington to think, I mean, they are putting Trey Galloway is a fine Indiana basketball player, KB. They have put him in a bad spot. He would be a great player up next to, I mean, you see this at Purdue. Purdue role players sometimes shine because there's an Edie, there's a Braden Smith, there's a Lance Jones, whatever it may be. I mean, Trey Galloway would be a great complimentary piece to a team uh, that, ha- that had some guards. I, I just, I-, I don't know. And you can't say freshman. I mean, freshmen take time, and Baco took what a month, right? A month, month and a half to get right. Yeah, and we I, saw I, that. I'd probably throw one more on there. I would say some in-house player development um, has been an issue as well for you, uh, and, and that is something that you know, with the portal, you can kind of patch up a little bit of that. Maybe it's not as big of an onus as it has been, but I would argue if you look at the top teams in college basketball, even though a lot of them have benefited from the portal, guys taking strides as players. Uh, 1,000% is there, and, and it's needed to, I think, better create a culture of, okay, you know, if you do whatever, work hard, listen to the coaching staff, et cetera, et cetera, you're going to reap some benefits uh, in our own building in here in, in Bloomington. Well, last thing I'll say on Indiana is in a world of NIL and in a world of a fan base that is so damn passionate and pumps in tons of resources for you, it's one of the few programs in college athletics right now where, Andy, 90% of that funding, fans, and I don't know, maybe this will change with Kurt Signetti, but it certainly wasn't that way before that hire was yeah, made. It's going to basketball. We get it's it. It's going to yeah, basketball. Yeah. And, and name me, name me a handful of other programs you can say that about. There are not many. Kentucky's one of them. Right. Kentucky's one of them. Very few. Yeah, but there's very can, few. You know, five it, or six of them. And so that should give Indiana such a great advantage to at least just be, like, we're not even talking about them the 30th team out. They're the 50th team out of the tournament right now. It's not even like they are sniffing the bubble here in year three of an era where on Saturday afternoon, they're starting five-star, five-star, high four-star, and two other four-stars. And they're losing to a Penn State team with a bunch of three-star dudes and without their leading score on their home floor. And all we hear about is, do you know how hard it is to win on the road in the Big Ten? That's all we hear about. And Indiana gets run off their home floor by an awful Penn State team without... It's what, what I don't know is, and I fear, and Rob Rob tweeted me, and he he might be. I think he's probably right. My my viewing, my thinking is he is right. Again, I followed Kenny Payne at Louisville. Kenny Payne was lazy, is lazy, and is entitled. He is extremely entitled. Is Mike Woodson entitled here to where he's not dealing? This goes back to what you said ten minutes ago, KB. To where if his name weren't, weren't Mike Woodson sure. and the yeah. relationship with Quinn Buckner, that can make you. Entitled and Mike Woodson after this season. Well, Mike Woodson after this season, that's what he's lost. 
to me, he is lost. I'm not saying it's hot seat, but he has lost that entitled nature that Mike Woodson enters next season like any other coach. Not beloved Mike Woodson, right. who helped bring Bobby Knight back a couple years ago. God, that's just, the change. Yeah, and I just I sit there and think, has he even earned that though? Well, maybe that's a discussion for a different day. It, it, it but... probably is. In my in my opinion, uh, in my. <laughs> No, in my opinion, no. And I go back to what he did last year, he fizzling fall out in the, the NCAA trap with tournament. The player with the you know the guy that everybody loved, and you know whatever. It's big, dangerous. Big donor here used to cheer for him and lived across the hall from him. Like that is just a slippery, slippery slope. Can I add one more thing to this, just yes. so people know? They have to pay one hundred. He got a one million dollar bump per year through the end of his contract, twenty twenty seven, last year. So he came in making a little bit more than three. He signed six for 18. He now makes more than four. He's about third, fourth, right on that list in the Big Ten, okay? Behind Underwood, Izzo, maybe someone else has moved past him, but he's right there, okay? So he's, again, Indiana, they're, they're putting resources, NIL, everything else. They're putting money into their head coach. He gets 100% of his contract uh, if he's fired before April 1st of 2025. So in my opinion, with what Indiana has went through, he is going to be your coach through the 2025 season. So that means he, uh, and he should, he he should probably have next year, you could argue, that he will have all of next year, but that's basically Final Four weekend type stuff. Uh, if you fire him before that, he gets 100% of his deal. 100%. Voice of the Boilers, Rob Blackman at nine. A lot of Pacers trade deadline chatter coming up with Tony East in a few. Let's do a quick morning. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Check down. All right, one fifteen ninety nine. That's your final last night. Pacers on the road in Charlotte. They get the win. A couple big storylines coming from this game. Andrew Nemhart, he got the start last night. Buddy Heald goes to the bench. Tyrese Halliburton, 17 points, 4 assists in 20 minutes. Uh, what's One clip we have not played. Third quarter, he had that dunk, KB, and he did the fake oh, hamstring gosh, injury. Tyrese, come on here's, now. Here's what he had to say post-game. I wasn't trying to do that. I wasn't going to do that and then TJ did it to me so that I did it to TJ but it wasn't meant I, I would never joke with the fans like that but I guess I, I, I did that's my fault that's my fault I'm good. They, they go straight to commercial break and I'm sitting there like sweating on the couch yeah well I love he goes well I, I would never do that to the fans I'd never do that to you Kevin Bond but I well I guess I did he Tyrese, got there are a few cameras on you if you didn't know that <laughs> During games, 28 and 23 now on the season. Again, I'm a bit confused about the Pacers right now. Hopefully some clarity from Tony East on the other side. Talk a little trade deadline coming up on Thursday. This week for the Pacers, home to the Rockets, home to the Warriors. Again, Golden State also plays Wednesday night. That is nationally televised against Philly. So for those wanting to see Steph Curry, 
and the Warriors on Thursday. Just a little warning. I, I don't know if he will 1,000% be resting by any means, but <laughs> certainly something to keep an eye on. Uh, just college basketball schedule, I guess, just for the rest of the week. Again, Purdue is off until Indiana. Saturday night, that is 8 o'clock on Fox. I assume that's Gus Johnson and company on the call for that one. Tomorrow, Indiana is at a very reeling Ohio State team. I believe they've won one of their last eight games at 7 o'clock on Peacock. What happened to Chris Holtman? Butler at UConn tomorrow. So you want to talk about Butler getting such a great win on Friday? Oh, yeah, at UConn coming up tomorrow night. We'll see about Pasha Alexander and his availability for that one. All right, on the other side, Tony East talks Pacers, Tyrese Halliburton's minutes restriction, and the trade deadline next. I appreciate you joining us here. It's February 5th, hanging out with you until 10 o'clock as always. Broadcasting live from the drivehubler.com studios. Rob Blackman going to join us at the top of the hour at 9 o'clock, about 25 minutes from now. We'll continue uh, the Purdue uh, basketball conversation with him. But let's switch gears and go to the Pacers. Tony East joins us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Locked on Pacers, SI.com. Many places you can find his work. Tony, good morning. Let's jump right into it um the minute restriction we've seen now three games we've seen them try you know i guess four games uh front load it try to switch that up in the sacramento game last night obviously with the lead did not have to bring halliburton back in what is your strongest opinion on the minute restriction and how the pacers have handled it through four games i have two but i don't want to monopolize your time so i will i will do one and that is that the way they did it last night is how they should do it every time. They tried the fourth quarter minutes restriction last Friday when they played the Kings. He played in the second, third, and fourth quarter. I get them wanting Tyree Talbert to close the game. He is their best player. They have to have a chance to win for that to make any sense or else they're just trying him out there for no reason. And they were down double digits in the fourth quarter because Tyree Talbert didn't play earlier in that game against the Kings. I think you got to play them in the first three quarters and just hope that along the way, if they're going to do it this way, you find enough solutions that can work for you in the fourth quarter. And last night they figured out that Pascal Siakam was playing great and Aaron Neesmith was playing great. And those guys gave him enough in the fourth quarter to get it done. I think that's how they have to do it if they're going to balance it this way. And it's really hard to play him throughout all four quarters on this low of a minute's limit. So I think it has to be the first three quarters. And they just – try their best to figure it out along the way because you got to have a chance. And if they're going to try to get him in for all of those 20 plus minutes. So, you know, he's got that 65 game restriction. I have no idea if that's a part of the thinking to be clear, but you know, if he's going to be playing that much, no matter what, I think for their chances to win, it makes the most sense for it to be as early in the game as possible. Do you think he would have gone back in in the fourth quarter, had Charlotte cut it to whatever, five or six? I mean, he only had barely over 20 last night, and it's been at 22 uh, the last couple games. I asked him on Friday if 22 was like a hard minute limit. He said, "Yeah, no, nah. you know, he didn't say that it was exactly that number, or if he, you know, even it was a, a hard this many is the limit. So maybe, uh, maybe that it could have been the case for like two or three minutes, but I, I sort of don't think so, just given how this is all gone. That was their third game in four nights. Interesting. I, I don't know. I just the the elliptical look um, <laughs> had me thinking potentially he would have gone back in. Granted, you know who the hell knows. Uh, Tony East is with us here. SI.com, locked on Pacers, a great listen to podcast wise. You hear his voice in our airwaves a lot. He joins us here uh, as the Pacers get ready to return home, take on the Rockets tomorrow night. 
Um, Tony, four starters seems obvious moving forward. Halliburton, Neesmith, Siakam, Turner. Who's your fifth? Buddy Heald, Andrew Nemhard, Benedict Mather. Yeah, right after the trade, I said Andrew Nemhard would be my fifth starter if I'm the Pacers. I would understand why they did Buddy Heald, and they did that. So I, I thought that made sense. But I, I, think, I personally think it should be Nemhard going forward. Uh, and, and Kalen Cooper nailed it, I think, with one of the reasons on Twitter last night. Aaron Neesmith, prior to the Hornets game, had fouled out of both of the last two games right before that. Right, He's been really overtaxed defensively on the perimeter when they're starting healed in there. And their offense is good with healed plus that front court and Halliburton. But I think they need that extra bit of perimeter defense with that starting group, even if Nemhard's not giving you as much offensively. Last night he missed every shot he took. Granted, they were all three-pointers, but – Having that defensive presence, I think, is the most valuable thing for that group. Siakam can score in many ways. Halliburton, obviously, is a brilliant offensive player when he gets rolling. Turner and Siakam play well off of each other. Like they're going to find a way to score enough points, and Neesmith's playing great even offensively recently. So, they can score. Getting enough stops should be the way that they can, can crush their opponents. And I think Nemhard's the best for that group, and then you can stagger him as a backup point if you need to, but you can still play McConnell, which turned out to be valuable for them last night. Heald makes sense as a floor spacer with that bench group that is everybody left. That's what I thought made the most sense all along. They finally went to it yesterday. Some out of necessity because what they had been doing wasn't working, and it did work. It, that group was plus 16, I believe, uh, in, in not that many minutes. So I think that's what they will continue to roll with, at least going forward, and I think it makes the most sense for their rotational balance to keep Nemhard as that fifth starter for now. Tony uh, Tony East with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline on the fan on this Reaction Monday. He's from SI.com, Locked on Pacers podcast. Many places you can find his work. Uh, I guess fill in the blank here. I guess I'll just do a yes or no. Buddy Heald, Friday, Thursday night into Friday morning. Will he be here? What do you think? I mean, I'm going to lean yes, just because they already made their big trades this season. I mean, it, it's not like a confident yes, but I, I think the most likely thing to happen is because they don't do anything. They already made, like I said, their big move. And he ha- like now he has more value to them to retain than he did before because of his salary slot and because, you know, they, he is a, a shooter on a team that lost shooting in the trade. That said, I mean, the, the continued – you know, run of him not being a shooter, as I say that, right? He won for three or one for four from deep last night and something like 36 or 37% the last month and a half or something like that. You know, certainly changes the thinking a bit. And it's part of why I can't be as confident as I would have been normally about that because clearly they wanted him on the team this year. They tried to extend his contract before the season and it didn't, you know, it didn't work out. And that's why they had to think about his future in different ways. But Clearly, they had value in what he does, and he still provides something, and teams respect his shot. It's just not going in. And so they had to think about expiring contracts, as every team that you know has them does, and maybe that alone is enough reason for them to move on from him for someone else or for different assets. But, it, it, you know, it's tough, to, it's tough to just dump a salary slot, given the Pacers situation, unless they're getting someone who fits well and is good and has a longer deal back. And that's a hard deal to come up with without giving up assets. That's hard to figure out what that is, too. So there's just a lot of factors at play that make me think slightly more likely than not that he's still with the Pacers. But if they did trade him, I would understand why they did it. It just has to be a certain set of circumstances to me. Tony, as a follow-up, and I'm not asking you to know, but it is a conversation piece. 
Zach Levine there with Chicago out for the remainder of the season. He was going to be the shooting guard that we talked about, right? For the next three, four days, he was going to be the guy. Does that change the value in the next few days, him being out for a guy like Buddy Heald who would be available and maybe, you know, would look nicer given that Levine's going to be out the remainder of the season? Or do you think those two, uh, you know, have nothing to do with each other in the end? Yeah, I not really. I mean, Levine's just a he's a shooter, certainly, too, but he can do a lot of stuff, and I think the teams that would have wanted him, like Detroit, apparently, I don't really get that, so I say apparently, but like Detroit and the Lakers and uh, some other teams, like, they wanted him for like his ball handling and scoring in that way, and Buddy Hill doesn't really do that stuff, I suppose. The Lakers would have been an overlapping team of interest, but I still think if you're dying for offensive upgrades at this trade deadline, you know, DeJounte Murray would be a guard that you try to acquire. And then, I, I mean, there's not a ton of people that have been rumored to be available. So maybe Levine being off the market changes things a bit, but uh, I don't think that they're totally related just given they, they have different skill sets and timelines. Again, he's the great Tony East. Uh, he is with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Read his work, SI, Forbes.com, Locked on Pacers, an awesome listen on a daily basis. I want to get back, in, back into a little bit of trade conversation stuff here in just a second, but you're a smart dude, much, much smarter than I am. Have you heard or come up with a good alternative to this 65-game rule that we're currently dealing with? Uh, no. Here's the thing. I don't think the alternative has been said that makes sense, the most sense to me. Here's the, the only thing that I don't like about it, and I didn't think of this until it actually happened during the season, so I'm not smart enough to have the foresight, and so I can't criticize them for for anything about this. But, you know, like, Joel, let's we could start with Joel Embiid's case here right like he's not going to play 65 now obviously if he even plays again this season so he won't win MVP but in the history of the league I think there's only been one MVP who played fewer than the equivalent of 65 games in a season right because usually voters bake that into their decision making I think it was Bill Walton in the 70s right so usually that number of games is like a factor anyway for awards like that just because teams or uh, team uh, people value that right playing minutes is valuable and for most valuable player what makes it different for Halliburton and the thing I have come not to like about the award isn't necessarily that he would or would not be eligible for all-nba if he didn't play 65 games that's whatever you know like I just said if you don't play as much that's less valuable it's that it's tied to his money right like I think the fact that it could be an award that has contractual incentives all of a sudden gives him reason and the Pacers reason to try to play him in funky ways if to just to get him at 40 million dollars and it maybe it's fine for his long-term health but the fact that that can be an incentive shouldn't be the case but because the award is tied to money it has to be an incentive right the Pacers agreed that he would be worth that much if he played 65 games in middle NBA so you know everybody's kind of incentivized to potentially change his health risk just because of his contract status. And I don't know how you avoid that if you're going to tie it to All-NBA, but having it tied to money as well, I don't like. And I think that that has been a negative side effect that this season has only affected Tyrese Alberton, but it's something that has become a negative consequence to me. All right, you had me clicking, so great work on the tweet. <laughs> uh, you had a tweet yesterday before tip-off and teasing one of your articles, one of the more under-discussed factors for the Pacers uh. Heading to the trade deadline to me, this was in regards to a Pascal Siakam trade item that we, speaking for you know me and Andy, we have not brought to the forefront maybe as much as we should have. Could you explain to our audience a little bit of what they would find in your latest work? 
everybody's least favorite thing, the luxury tax. Uh, just pay it, owners. Everybody pay it. Yeah, they're going to be expensive next year, right? And, you know, when I was talking to Bobby Marks on my podcast last week, he mentioned it too, right? Like their dynamics changed very quickly from a team that could be under the cap and maybe spending some money next summer to, uh-oh, we're going to be, you know, up against that tax line over $170 million next year was the projection put out by the NBA last week. All the teams need that projection to make trade deadline decisions. And, you know, if they re-sign Siakam at the number that has been reported that they could and, you know, keep healed their – sign and trade healed for a player of similar contractual value or trade healed now for a player of similar contractual value. Maybe they don't keep Obi Toppin, but if they, you know, if they keep all their young guys and keep their team together, they're going to be right at or over that line. Right. And that is, you know, maybe they're fine with it um, being over the tax. They're clearly trying to be good and you pay money for good teams. But if you're pretty close to the luxury tax line, history says in the NBA that you try to get under it. And if you're not a, rock solid contender history says that you try to get under it. And so they have a lot of time to figure it out, you know, till the end of next season. But I think that's a factor in their decision-making for the next probably year is that year specifically just next year, because after that, the new CBA or uh, the new TV deal should go into effect. And the, you know, all the discussion is that that would make the cap jump 10% every year, which would make the tax jump more. And all of a sudden the Pacers wouldn't have to worry about it as much. But for next year specifically, trying to figure out how to wiggle under that line will be an interesting thing, whether that means they have to lose Obi Toppin as a free agent. And if so, do you try to move on from it now? Whether that means they, you know, kind of hope Halliburton doesn't make all NBA, that would give them some wiggle room or maybe he holds money or Siakam's when he comes in at a lower number, or maybe they have to think differently about McConnell's future. There's a lot of ways that they could do it, but the fact that they have to think about that stuff now, I think bleeds into their trade deadline thinking this year, because the value of some of those players in the summer could change for them a little better. They have to dump someone, you know, like they did in the 2021 summer with TJ leaf. So Oklahoma city. So maybe it's too early, but I think that given their projections of salaries next year, something they have to start thinking about and, you know, if, if they make a trade that just kind of seems weird on the surface in the next couple of days, perhaps that's a big factor in line. I don't think that's been discussed enough. Tony, last one for me, and as always, greatly appreciate your time. Again, Tony East from SI with us here on the Payless Lickers Hotline. If they think internally, all right, we we are not re-signing Buddy, or or you know, finances have changed since the Siakam trade. We we, we just don't see that in the in the future plans. We don't see Obi Toppin either in the future plans as a re-signed guy. Would they still hold on to them, do you think, for the final two months and, and I guess, theoretically let them walk for nothing? Uh, maybe. I mean, you know, if they know they're not going to or are confident they're not going to resign them, they have to look at trades, obviously, right? That was the big discussion with Miles Turner last year. But the, the, the thing that changed, too, when they traded for Siakam is, like, they're clearly going for it, right? So there is value in what that player provides you the rest of this season and in the postseason. So the value they get back can't just be – you know, future value and that's it. It has to be enough value in the future that you feel good about losing that, you know, uh, production for the rest of this season and into the postseason. And you have them last night was the first time I think they were fully healthy since the Siakam trade. It was telling to me that those two guys are the lowest two minute guys in the rotation. They both played like 11 minutes in that game and they're still in the rotation, right? They're still valuable to the Pacers, but so it's a little different now. It, that, that value calculation wasn't a thing beforehand for them. They didn't have to worry about, you know, as much the production down the rest of the season. Now, clearly with them going for it, they do. So I think that, yeah, if they know certainly they're not going to re-sign the guy, they should definitely think hard about 
what trades are out there or what value future-wise makes sense. But now they care a lot more about what that production can be for the rest of this specific season, and I think that matters a lot. And Tony East, his latest, very interesting piece and kind of one of the more underrated aspects to that Pascal Siakam trade. Foreign territory, frankly, for the Pacers that they have not been in in quite some time. Tony, great stuff, man. Have a uh, great week, and hopefully it's not too too chaotic for you on uh, Thursday. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thursday, February 8th, 3 p.m., the trade deadline, which bleeds into then Pacers-Warriors. Uh, Thursday night inside of GameBridge Fieldhouse. How about some Purdue talk? We'll do that on the other side. Voice of the Boilermakers after yesterday's big win at the Kohl Center. Rob Blackman joins us next. Should be a fun week. Going to be a bunch of good shows. College basketball trade deadline coming up Thursday in the NBA Super Bowl week and so much more. We'll talk about it uh, every morning here, 7 to 10 on The Fan. And as always, we're broadcasting live from the drivehubler.com studios. Love the conversation we've had about Purdue and some college basketball. So let's keep it going. Voice of the Boilermakers, Rob Blackman joins us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Rob, good morning. Thank you so much for joining us. Let's dive right into it. You know, we've talked so much this year about checking boxes off and whether it be neutral site games or on the road or there uh, at home. Boy, Purdue has checked, in my opinion, every single box. And you saw Wisconsin, another great example of that yesterday. Do you feel the same way that this team has done everything that they needed to do to show how great they are thus far this season? Uh, yeah, probably. Uh, certainly, it would be hard to argue against that. Um, you mentioned checking the boxes. Purdue's played five teams this year, ranked inside the AP top ten, and then beaten all five of them, um, with uh, one of those obviously coming on the road yesterday. Uh, and then you look at, uh, you know, Big Ten road games. Purdue's played seven of them, and, and they won five. And, you know, the old adage, whether it's right or wrong, it does seem to work out this way though if you want to win a big 10 regular season title you need to win all your home games and then win at least half your road games and that that at least puts you in the hunt and that's where purdue is right now purdue's already won half of their big 10 road games they're five and two on the road with three to go so and they've won all the home games <laughs> to this point it's pretty so, good rob <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd, yeah i'd have a tough i'd have a tough time arguing that purdue hasn't checked all the boxes and look i know i know purdue fans purdue players purdue coaches me would like to have those those North, those games at Northwestern and Nebraska back. But if you're just looking at a full body of work through uh, through 23 games, yeah, I think Purdue's probably pretty pleased with what, what's going on here. Rob, last time Purdue had a point guard of the quality of Braden Smith. Uh, Kevin. Uh, <laughs> uh, ooh, uh, Bruce Parkinson, uh, who wasn't nearly the scorer that – that's going way back. You got to be an old man to remember Bruce Parkinson, uh, at least as far as a pure passer. Uh, boy, I'd be hard pressed to, to get. Look, Purdue's had some great two guards sure, in my sure. this my yep. this is my nineteenth year. Uh, some guys that have ended up in the NBA, and, and you know, Etwan Moore ended up having a hell of a career in the NBA. But uh, and they've had some awfully good big men, obviously. But boy, I don't. Uh, I, I get I'm you stumped me there, Kevin. I guess I'll go Bruce Parkinson, but again, he wasn't nearly the scorer that uh, that that Braden is. You know, Braden can obviously score the ball twelve points a game. He had whatever it was nineteen, I think it was yesterday. So yeah, I don't know. You, you caught 
too early in the morning for him to be thinking about that. That's a good question. R- Rob, yeah. you went back to the 70s with that one. I like yeah, that. I know it. And, and listen, I was born in 1970. <laughs> I know I was thinking myself there. Man, I, I might need to call my father after the show and ask him about Bruce Bruce Parkinson a little bit there. But, yeah, I mean, the 16 assists the other night and then yesterday when they need him to be more the score, uh, especially early, he was that. I, I wanted to, and again, uh, voice of the Boilers, Rob Blackman is with us, Purdue 75-69, just another, as Rob laid out, another damn impressive win, frankly, on an already very impressive resume for Purdue this season. I want to go down the Lance Jones you know, biographical path, if I could, and I know it's been 20 years, but Andy and I were talking about this earlier like, did Matt Painter tap into a Southern Illinois Rolodex there? Like, I, I you know, projecting – this is not a dude that averaged 19 a game and was the Missouri Valley Player of the Year. So, you know, when you project a guy into your system, the moments of Assembly Hall, the moments of the Cole Center yesterday, that's just a lot of stuff that, like, you don't see on film. Is there anything you could share on maybe what they saw or the behind the scenes of how they found Lance Jones and believing, no, 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 he's the right piece, even though, you know, every top 10 program isn't banging down the portal door for him? Yeah, well, there's a lot to to talk about there. And, and you're correct. Uh, look, when he he was not a, uh, a signee in the summertime and the portal uh, that, that certainly garnered a whole lot of uh, headlines nor a lot of uh, good vibes, I think, from Purdue fans. You know, if you remember back, he his uh, his addition to the team was met with really a blah from the fans. Is it, you know, who's this guy? Um, look, he was you know twice All Missouri Valley Conference defensive team, and he was a thousand point scorer at Southern. It's not like he he couldn't score the ball. But uh, to to answer your question specifically. You know, yes, Coach Painter does have a relationship with those guys at Southern, uh, even though the, the coaching staff has turned over. He's still familiar with those folks down there. But really, guys, uh, this signing came down to uh, the Evanston Township relationship. Uh, no Gel Eastern was an, an, was an Evanston Township kid that played for Purdue. Uh, same high school as Lance. And so Coach Painter and the staff had a very good relationship with his high school coach. Hmm. And that's, that's actually who they leaned on the heaviest um, because as we've kind of seen with this, you know, the, the grad transfers and now more recently the portal transfers, uh, I think everyone's kind of figured out Matt Painter's MO is he's really looking for more substance than anything else. It has to be a guy that fits with Purdue. It has to be a Purdue fit or it's just not going to work. Um, and so that's where he leaned the heaviest was actually, and I, I'm sorry, I don't remember the, the coach's name, but the head coach at Evanston Township High School, uh, that's where Coach Painter went and, and, you know, said, hey, is this a guy that you think fits our program because you understand it a little bit? Uh, you know a little bit about Purdue basketball. And that's where really it was sold, was right there, that the fact that that, that coach signed off on him. So, yeah, that's, that's actually where you think about all these relationships coaches have in the game of recruiting, <laughs> and uh, whether it's AAU or, or other college coaches or whatever it might be. But this was one of those where the high school coach actually tipped the scales in favor of Lance. That's that's interesting, and that makes sense. Like I'm not, I'm nodding my head at it because you know, again, we we saw it yesterday, Rob. It just seems like every time Purdue needs a little bit of a jolt, and I don't know, it can borderline on crazy at some moments. But man, he he's just such a critical missing ingredient that at least for me, I feel better about Purdue on February fifth, and and I already felt great about him last year on February fifth. But I feel better about him this year because of Lance's presence. Well, he certainly is. Yeah, you you said it well. He'll take one or two shots a game that <laughs> that I know Matt Painter's not particularly pleased with. 
But it's one of those things, right, where you take the good with the bad. Right. And the one one thing you don't want to do is you certainly don't want it to uh, uh, to try to suffocate his his uh, his aggressiveness is probably the right word. Um, and so if that means having to live with one or two bad shots a game, I think you're going to be okay with that. I mean, look, uh, I, I I was trying to prep a little bit for this interview this morning. I didn't realize it till I looked. Uh, the last two games, Lance is 57% from three. He's averaging 23 points a game. I mean, those are all American numbers. I, look, I know it's just two games, but if he can stay anywhere in that, you know, in that stratosphere offensively through the months of February and March, Purdue could be in really good shape here in the last two months of the season. I would love to know, Rob Blackman with us, I'd love to know what uh, what else you found in that prep getting ready for this uh for this interview the first guest in the history of the show to prep (laughs) i kind of did a double take when you said prep for the interview so yeah what else did you find any you have any more nuggets for us anything else actually i did find and i'm you guys will be surprised that i was able to come up with this type of inside information but i did find that kb and andy are extremely underpaid for their value And what they bring to sports talk radio. <laughs> Look at that. Right. There you go. Rob, what's your Venmo? Boy, I tell can, you we, what. can we handle that offline? Does Rob have a Venmo? That's a great question. Uh, I, I just told you I was born in 1970. Hell no, I don't have Venmo. <laughs> Rob Blackman, voice <laughs> of the Boilers. His daughter and, you know, <laughs> well, someone, that yeah, someone, someone else can set it up. It's, it's pretty easy to do. <laughs> you know, I'm just, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, the, the five teams in the top 10 or six in the top 11, you know, the numbers that are out there, whether it be at home, row, neutral site, uh, we have seen Purdue take care of business. Wisconsin uh, was number six going into the game yesterday. W- who's the best team that you've seen Purdue face? Where did Wisconsin kind of fit that mold? I know Tennessee, obviously, uh, Marquette, Arizona was number one in the country. Who's the best team you think Purdue has faced this season? Uh, well, uh, I'll give you two answers. The best team that I've seen with my own two eyes is Arizona, uh, just because the talent level they have across the board. But I, the toughest matchup for Purdue is Marquette. Um, they are, to me, that's the team that just gives Purdue fits. Uh, a, because they're so aggressive defensively. Uh, Shaka is such a good coach on the defensive end. He just seems to have it figured out on how to guard Purdue. He even, I mean, he figured that out way back when he was at VCU and they upset Purdue in the round of 32 when Etoine Moore was a senior. Uh, he just seems to have a way to, to, to really make life tough on Purdue when Purdue's on offense. Uh, and look, they certainly have enough talented players as well. I mean, Kolek at, at point guard and, and all the weapons they have, Cam Jones and right on down the line. So it, it's really two answers for me. It's it just overall, we're just talking overall talented team. It's certainly Arizona, but, but toughest matchup head-to-head against Purdue. I'd put Marquette at the top of that list. He's voice of the Boilers, Rob Blackman. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Rob, I could be really just in the clouds on this one, but I thought you'd be the per- perfect person to ask. I'm sitting there watching the game yesterday, and along with you and Bobby, of course, I think Ian Eagle and Bill Rafferty did a wonderful job on the TV call, um, and, and that's the preview of, of course, the Final Four coming up with Ian Eagle taking over for, for Jim Nance. He had a three call in the second half. I'm trying to think of who made it, probably Lance Jones. Uh, where he dropped a bullseye uh, after that call. Again, I could be in the clouds. Is that any reference to Cliz there with that? I I, I don't know. Iron Eagle, I can't uh, imagine, has done many Purdue games, but he strikes me as a dude that does his homework as well, and, and maybe from a play-by-play standpoint, he wanted to dial one up for the Purdue faithful. 
Yeah, I, I, Kevin, I don't know, but I'm glad you brought that up because I had someone hit me up on Twitter yesterday and actually made that same point that he had said bullseye and asked me the same question. Uh, I, so, But I don't know. I have okay. no idea. If, if that's the case, that is awfully cool. Uh, you know, you think about this. We lost uh, we lost Cliz, uh Well, let's see. It'd be three years ago this month, uh, actually. So, uh, yeah, if that was indeed what he was doing, that that is pretty damn cool. And by the way, you were you were right on Lance Jones because he was the only guy that actually made a three point shot yesterday for Purdue. Really? We only made we only made three of we them. We made three. Yeah, made all three. So yeah, so I, you're definitely right that it was a Lance Jones three. Gosh, and that just adds to it. We, we talked about it earlier in the show, the one field goal for Edie in the first half, one made three, and you had a lead in, in the hardest road game, quote-unquote, you're going to have all year in the Big Ten. All right, Rob, we'll end with this. It's Saturday night. It is the rematch. Um, I, I don't necessarily need to go down an IU rabbit hole with you. The first matchup, though, it, it, even if you know Purdue could win this game by 15 and it could look a lot different just because of the foul trouble, um, that Indiana did suffer early in that first half down there with Mackenzie Ibaco and Cleo Ware exiting early. Anything else kind of stand out to you about the first matchup that you're looking to Saturday night? Again, I know it's maybe hard to kind of go apples to apples because the foul trouble um, was a big storyline early in that game, but anything in particular for Saturday night? I just felt like Purdue did a good job of, of really sticking to its defensive game plan, and, and you're right, the foul trouble certainly was advantageous for Purdue in the first half. Um, but, you know, outside of, I mean, gosh, out, out, outside of uh, Trey making, what, I think three threes there for IU early in the second half, uh, they just uh, they, they just didn't have much offense from a shooting standpoint. They have an all season uh, from a perimeter shooting standpoint. And so that was Purdue's defensive M- uh, M- MO going into that, is that they were going to allow some, some three-point shots and, and try to be uber-aggressive inside uh, and try to take advantage uh, there, and, that, and that's really how the game worked out. Uh, you know, again, if they don't, like I said, they, uh, Trey made those, I think it was three threes in the second half. Outside of that, they, they did not have a whole lot of, of offensive shooting, uh, anything offensively, quite frankly. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't think the game plan is going to be remarkably vastly different this time around. Both teams seem to be looking still about the same as far as percentages and those kind of things, shooting-wise and all that stuff. So, um, But I would remind fans, I know Purdue fans want to get awfully, uh, awfully uh, cocky about this one. Look, this is Purdue, Indiana, and truly anything can happen. <laughs> so uh, so let's, let's just kind of be ready for, for anything possible. Uh, as Coach Katie liked to always say, expect the unexpected. Um, so that's what you expect with Purdue, Indiana. So uh, I would also say this, guys: Purdue is finally, finally in a position where it gets a week off. Um, you know, Purdue had gone the whole month of January without having its its built-in bye week in there. So it's been a midweek and a weekend game for the entire month of January, and now Purdue finally gets a little bit of a break. There, they only play six games in the month of February, and they've already played one of those. So they're down to five games for the entire month. So. I think a little bit of rest and relaxation is going to help Purdue, and and we'll see if maybe they look uh, look a little refreshed on Saturday against Indiana. Place will be rocking Saturday night's eight o'clock tip from Mackey as it is the rematch Purdue and Indiana. Rob, I know it was a busy travel day for you yesterday. I appreciate you waking up with us here on this Monday morning, and uh, as always, uh, enjoy the combos with you. 
Okay, guys, thanks for having me. Have a great day. That's a great Rob Blackman, voice of the Boilers, right there on the Payless Slickers hotline. You know, Andy, I asked him the Braden Smith question not to play the old stump game, but, you know, I've thought this about Purdue for how many great Matt Painter teams have been there, and certainly, I mean, hell, even, of course, the Katie teams. You know, a great, great point guard has not really been a staple of the program. God, they've had so many good combo guards. He's right. So many good combo so, guards. So many. <laughs> and, you know, I, whatever you want to call Hummel or certainly Carl Landry sure. or Glenn Robinson, et cetera, et cetera. It goes on and on. But, you know, when I think back to the best painter tournament team, it's a team with Carson Edwards and Ryan Klein. Right. I mean, you know, that was a team that yeah. had Grady Eifert in the starting lineup. And, you know, it's not like, uh, well, was Matt Harms maybe the big guy on that team? Or Haas? <laughs> I'm uh, trying to remember how the Matt years... Matt Harms. I remember the recruitment of Matt Harms. <laughs> how the years go together there. But, um, you know, guards in March. I mean, that is that is a phrase that you hear quite often. And I think with the makeup of Braden Smith and, again, Lance Jones and, and Fletcher Lawyer, particularly away from home, has been much better this season uh, than he was last year. Um, that, to me, I think is another sign of encouragement here in a month. Uh, Rob's right. Anything can happen. Uh, anything can happen in these games, Purdue and Indiana. You know, I mean, uh, Taylor Swift may leave Kelsey and decide she wants to, you know, move in Brock with the Purdy? Sweeney. Yeah, just, yeah, wants to hang out with Andy Sweeney, you know, <laughs> and hang out with Kevin <laughs> yeah, Bowen right. here. You know, uh-huh. any anything yeah. could happen. I could Tiger walk, Woods wants to play yeah, golf with uh, yeah. Kevin at, at <laughs> I could, Augusta National. I could walk outside and get struck by lightning. The sun could even be out. Isn't <laughs> the sun supposed to be out? We may need to send Corbin out and see if the sun. I degrees later this oh, week. Oh, it's great. I almost, listen, yesterday, like legit, I was like, I may just, I almost watched the Purdue game outside. I was this close. I'm like, if this like three degrees warmer I think I got the sweatshirt on, and I think I'm outside at 1 o'clock. When do we start doing 10-day <laughs> weather for oh, the All-Star God. Watch? Oh, boy. I, I, I don't know, but I'm I did. pulling up the Apple I Weather did, app, that I horrible did, app. I did see. Oh, geez, I'm seeing a high of 33 oh, boy. next Tuesday. I did but see then 43 next Wednesday. three or four of the key potholes downtown. They did fill last week. Corbin, you saw this as well. There's some by the station, but there's other Washington Street. No, there was probably three or four of the ones where I'm like, you could fit a family of four in this pothole. They did clean those up before the, uh, yeah. before the All-Star yeah, Rosie break. Rosie loves a good game of hide-and-seek. I'm like, you know what? That pothole just, in front yeah, of our house. Just right I, there. I, you could fit in there, honestly. Yeah, you wouldn't have to wouldn't worry have about to worry it. worry about you coming into our bed at 2 a.m. in the morning. Burt throws out the names of Lewis Jackson and Chris Kramer. Again, Purdue, I mean, those are fine point guards Purdue's had. But uh, Brainsmith, to me, I, I don't know. Maybe at the end of the year, um, it's not going to look like this. But it's an All-American caliber point guard. It's I, I don't think necessarily he'll be on one of those first three teams, and I, I don't know if maybe he deserves to be on one of those three, but he is worthy of a conversation for that. And um, without question, I thought Rob pointed it out, and you know I, I know the shooting percentage at the end of the game wasn't necessarily a great great shoot night for Braden Smith, but again, 16 assists against Northwestern, and I thought early yesterday when Edie isn't really, I mean I think his first attempt was like 15 minutes into the game, and you're a little sluggish from the perimeter. You know, Brainsmith pull up, Brainsmith pull up, boom, boom, boom. And you're able to kind of get stable footing in a road environment where I thought Wisconsin kind of hit you a little bit out of the gate and you're able to settle into that thanks to him. I am laughing and I've seen Wisconsin a few times. So I understand the analysis, okay? The analysis has been this is not the normal Wisconsin team, they're more dynamic. 
And then yesterday, Wisconsin shot three of 19 and scored 69 points in a college basketball game. Well, I was very much watching that game. Like They might be more dynamic, but damn it, they're still Wisconsin. Okay, know, I, I, I'm sitting there watching it, and you know, Zach Eady had the assignment of Tyler Wall, and it was like, you do not go out and guard him whatsoever. And I'm thinking, man, is Wall ever going to shoot? A three? Like, Edie would not even sniff one, yeah. guarding him out there. And then he fires one up late, and I swear it was going to make a hole in the backboard. And I'm like, yeah. ah. It was in a big moment. Yeah. That's why the Purdue yeah. scouting report said don't guard Tyler. It almost banked off the backboard twice. He threw it so hard off the backboard. Uh, just one other thing. I, I You know, I was going to bring this up. I, I know we were back and forth in the interview. You know, the kind of thing with Lance Jones is he's YOLO at times, but he fits the mantra of who Purdue is. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like he's not yeah, too plays his ass yeah, off. Yeah, he's him. not too YOLO to where it's like, okay, Painter's really having to bite his tongue on this one, right? Does that make yeah. sense where it's like, okay, he has a whole set of rules, whereas, you know, everyone else has their other set of rules. It's not that, but it's moments of, hey, you're early in the shot clock. They're getting close. It's one possession game. Boom! I'll shoot a three. It's you know when he had when he had the breakaway layup. It's one of those things. Do you pull it back? Run your offense. Give the ball to Braden Smith. No, he took it. He went down. He scores a layup. Not not everyone would have done that, right? Well, uh, on a Purdue team, on past teams. Like when I think of YOLO, and I'm trying to think of like a good NBA description for it of guys that just gunned, you know. And, and you know, I don't. Lou Williams is popping in my head. I know Lou. Lou Williams, a very good NBA player, coming off the bench, but just like. You know, honestly, Matherin is probably a good example of it. Benedict Matherin's got a bit of YOLO sure, in him. He's got a little he's bit. He's got a bit of crazy in him, and I think he's earned the right to have some of that offensively. What Matherin does not give you is if the shot is not there, Matherin is not the level of his career. There's been better signs of it this year, but he's not at the level at this point of his career of, I can help you in a few other areas. Lance Jones can do that. Oh, he'll get 10 rebounds and 8 assists. Go back yeah. to Rutgers yeah. game. Yeah. Remember? I'm pretty sure it was Rutgers. Yeah, he struggled. He only had like four points. Yeah, yeah I'll look it up, but he Rutgers struggled. game, he's not scoring for you at all, but to your point, boom, here's 10 rebounds, here's eight assists, and here's five steals. Like, to be able to check the, uh, you know, typically YOLO guys, it's score, 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 and I and I, I'm that, that's all I can do. But for him, it's a little bit of the other areas that he can impact as well. And oftentimes, and we saw with the Boo, the Boo Booey assignment, it seems like kind of him and Ethan Morton are the guys that have you know divvied up some of the top perimeter responsibilities, top guard responsibilities on the other team. So as Rob said, again, nothing for Purdue this week. Uh, if you're looking at it locally, tomorrow's the big night. Indiana at Ohio State and uh, Butler at UConn. Uh, Indiana State plays Wednesday this week, so that kind of maps out uh, the teams of note here, college basketball-wise, for the week. Uh, Phil t- uh, tweets, Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. 
raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Then he's driving, uh, looks like, through a cornfield. Bright sun. I don't know where he's at in the area, but thank you. And Corey tweets us as well. He can confirm the sun is... Uh, is out at Fountain Square. So here we go. Mild stopping. How about grounds. that? How about that? We're feeling good. You want to do our goats of the week quickly here? Should we do our goats of the week? Uh, we can do our goat. Oh, you want to do it on the other side? It's already nine twenty. Corbin, you got the goats of the week sounder ready to go? Is he ready to go? Load it up. Who is the goat? I told you all that I was the greatest of all time. Jordan. Here's Michael at the foul line. A shot on Elo. Good. That's what I'm talking about. That's why he's here. Or goat. (laughs) This guy sucks (laughs) of the week. All right. Goat of the weekend. Uh, Who had a great weekend and who had a terrible weekend? Let's start on the positive side. Uh, The goat of the weekend, I was going to go with North Carolina and their dominating win. And then I thought, Andy, let's not do that. That's an entire team. Plus, they just lost to Georgia Tech before they played Duke. I'm not sure that's worthy, even though I think North Carolina might be the third or fourth best team uh, in the country. I'm going to go with the NFL media, or just the media in general, Dear okay? Lord. And here's why. Where the hell are you going okay, with this I'm one? Okay, I'm going to tell you. I, I thank them because— Wait, is this lowercase? I no, make no, sure this I... is uppercase, oh, okay? Man. My lowercase, we'll get to that here in a second. My uppercase goat, the good part of the weekend, thank you to the national media who, ha- who has made the Taylor Swift story something that it's not— it was just kind of a fun story, and you could like Taylor Swift, or you could dislike Taylor Swift and say, I'm tired of seeing her swag surfing in the box with Brittany Mahomes. You could do that, but they have now turned it into think pieces, Kevin Bowen. Have you seen this? The essays and the think pieces on football fans not want, are gatekeeping. The football NFL fans are gatekeeping the sport for others who are trying to be a part of it. So well, coming out with a new album. So yeah, she announced that last I, night. I just I I thank them for turning something that really wasn't that serious into a serious talking point as we get ready for Super Bowl 58. Might go to the weekend. Oh, Can we dislike Brittany <laughs> Holmes but like Taylor Swift? You can do whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. But... Uh, I got one for humanity, all right? Okay. This goes back to Friday. Did you see the Mark Andrews story? I did see the Mark Andrews story. On the story. flight out yeah. to... It's Arizona. extremely scary. So I remember watching an E60, I want to say it was, within the last year or so of Mark Andrews being a diabetic uh-huh. and yeah. him having to prick himself on the sidelines on a very, I, I want to say it was after every drive, if I'm not mistaken. He's got his little kit. He goes over the sidelines. Wow, it's every drive. I didn't know I, that. I, I thought wow. it was every drive. Um, and I'm relaying a couple tweets here, but this was Mark Andrews again, Baltimore Ravens tight end. Uh, a, a tweet from a passenger on a flight uh, from Baltimore to Phoenix. 
Uh, the doctor and nurse attending to a patient who was having a medical issue couldn't find a strong pulse. Her blood pressure was extremely low and required oxygen to breathe. It was genuinely scary. A man in the aisle seat popped up and said, could it be your blood sugar? I have a diabetic testing kit. It was indeed Mark Andrews. Andrews instructed the medical professionals, equal citizen heroes in the story, amen to that, on using his test kit. Eventually, her heart rate stabilized. Paramedics met the flight as soon as we landed. Andrews deplane quietly, no fanfare as he's done with his whole career. He stepped up in a huge moment when people needed him the most. I, we could probably leave out the football analogy there. Uh, <laughs> watching complete strangers spring into action to help save someone's life is truly amazing. How about that for That's Mark unbelievable. Andrews? Good for him. Good for Mark Andrews. There you go. Uh, Look, even, Corbin, even Corbin gave a little uh, little clap there. He gave a little Derek Jeter yeah, head nod. Yeah, he did. Hat tip there. Uh, my lowercase goat, the Big Ten Conference. <laughs> okay. All right, hear me out on this. Okay? All right, I'm ready for you. I saw that the Big Ten Conference decided to fine Chris Collins for his antics at the end. $5,000. Okay, $5,000, yeah. right, for the fine for Chris Collins? Big fine, yes. They should have paid him $5,000 <laughs> for his antics at the end of the- You reward the man right. that created appointment television at the end of Purdue Northwestern. If you're a coach and you're getting tossed and you create entertainment value like that, no, no, no. We're about eyeballs, people. We're not about integrity. <laughs> we're entertainment. Yeah, we, we're not about you know great role models. Models right. for young coaches out there. Yeah, it's college no, no, sports. No, 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 no. This is an entertainment industry. The Big Ten Conference did it all wrong. You do not find that man. You pay him $5,000 for a variety of things. <laughs> One, very demonstrative in getting on the court very quickly on a no call. It just happened right. to be the end of the game. He waited to the end of the game, too. Uh, two, courteous. he uh, made it very clear to his player, I'm fine. And, and told, I believe, Brooks Barnheiser to move out of the way. I love the handshake to Matt Painter, the firm handshake. He then hit Zach Eady about as hard as one of his big men hit Zach Eady throughout the game. And then he gave us the, all right, Mackie crowd, I can't hear yeah, you. Give it, give it to, it to me. me a yeah. little bit louder While the there. SID is pulling him down, sure. the, uh, down the aisle with his shirt. So yeah. that's about five different signs of entertainment. I think a 1000 bucks for each of them. He should have been rewarded. Big Ten Conference. Pay the man five thousand. Don't take away five thousand away from him. I love it. I love it. I I do love as well how it was only five thousand dollars. It's such a it's a I it's think such that a was an pu- odd value. It, it's such a little puny. Like it was a Big Ten. Like I guess you know the Big Ten actually agrees with Kevin Bowen. They didn't really want to find him, but they're like in the interest of who we are as leaders and legends in college athletics, oh, we have to throw to a five thousand dollar. Well, part of me saw that. I'm like, wait, does Chris Collins make like eighty thousand a year? <laughs> like, what? Sad, yeah, he makes. I know Northwestern athletics are on you know a bit of a tight budget here, but still. Yeah, that's great. Uh, my go to the week uh, is is John Calipari. Is John Calipari? They got pushed no, again, around. This is lowercase go yeah, to the well, week. Yeah, people. they got pushed around at home by Tennessee and Rick Barnes. They have lost two in a row, three of four. Two in a row, and at home, right? uh, yes, and on top of it. You know, the win they have is over Arkansas, who stinks this season, and they didn't play well in that game. And now they have Vanderbilt. You may laugh at it. Jerry Stackhouse has kind of had his number the last couple years. Kentucky went from a top 10 team that everybody loved two weeks ago. I talked how, hey, I think this is a team that could contend and be in that tier two. Uh, and, and Cal skipped out on his radio press conference. Uh, he had to go home and pet his dog, and so he is in all sorts <laughs> Say of panic. Say that again. He had to go home and pet his dog. I don't know if his dog's sick. I don't know. He didn't. He didn't elaborate, but he had to go home and pet his dog. 
So uh, things not good there in BBN. Again, they've lost three out of four. And Tennessee came in and pushed them around and led that game by double figures probably for 25, 30 minutes of that game. IU fan base, their response to Coach Calipari getting fired in Lexington out of the blue and coming to Bloomington. (laughs) He has an out in his contract. He has an out. I mean, there's so, there's tens of millions of dollars left on this deal. Are you faithful? Give me a give, <laughs> give me a percentage that would say yay or nay. He could he could get out of his contract and still make like a mill a year at Kentucky and Lexington if he wanted to stay. Oh, that'd be a dream come true. Oh, it'd be a dream. Well, they have Mike Woodson. I mean, come on. It's a pro coach. Purdue has 15 quad one and quad two wins. Let me see who's second on that list. Doesn't Hang on. Indiana have two? Oh, Indiana doesn't have any, doesn't have any quad one wins, do they? They had Ohio or did State. Ohio State fall yeah, no, out? Ohio State's been terrible. So they have one. No, yeah, they either have one or zero. Yeah, so they have fifteen. So they have eight quad ones. Uh, UConn has. I, I don't eight think Notre Dame has well. eight wins. Uh, Notre Dame does not have eight wins. But like Kansas has three quad. Uh, they they have five. So that's pretty good. They have five quad one wins. Iowa State has three. Auburn's number eight in the Ken Palm. They have one quad one win. Again, Purdue has eight. That's an unbelievable number. It really is. 15 and two in quad one and two opportunities. Again, Purdue fans, book it. Book it book it right now. Friday and Sunday. Gamebridge Fieldhouse. It's a later start to March Madness this year, right? It is. It's a week back, is it not? I, I want to say that it is. I think we talked about this. I want to make sure I get this date right. Yeah. Selection Sunday is the 17th. Oh boy, that's St. Patrick's Day. Um and then you ever do anything for St. Patrick's Day? Well, yeah. Um, you, you go out. Yeah. You wear I mean, green. You got to cheer for the Irish. Yeah, we'd get after it. But now all of a sudden, I feel like it's fallen on like NCAA tournament days. Or now I've just become an adult with two kids. Yeah, I always remember having to do NCAA tournament stuff uh, around St. Patrick's yeah, I Day. I remember tw- being on the radio while everyone else was drinking green beer. Yeah, the twenty second is what I'm seeing here for Purdue's. First game. Corbin, I'm also disgusted at myself. I asked Kevin Bowen, do you do anything for St. Patty's Day? He's a Notre Dame fan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, like of all people who would do something for that made-up holiday, it you would be a, a Notre Dame ago, playing Irish fan. I remember a few years ago, Notre Dame <laughs> was in the play-in game against oh, sure. Rutgers at sure. Dayton. They won in overtime. I believe it got to midnight, and one of the best Mike Bray lines said, you know, I need some Jameson here in the wee hours of St. Patrick's Day morning. <laughs> I'm sure he had some. Yeah. Now, I saw this earlier. There were some IU fans in the YouTube chat saying that Indiana's team would have gotten further a few years ago had – the committee not giving them giving them the poor draw of the Dayton game and then shipped out west. Oh, yeah, I remember, do you remember that. that? St. Mary's ran them I, off the floor. I, I do. Is this where I bring yeah. up you Notre Dame? You also could win more games in the regular season. But is, this, yeah. is this where I bring up Notre Dame? Did the Dayton to San Diego and then beat Alabama by 15 in round one and had Texas Tech on the brink of a you Sweet could. 16 berth? Yeah. No, no one was remembering that but you, but thank God you remembered that. Who was on that Alabama team? Uh, the little uh, Quinterly. Quinterly's yeah. now in Memphis, still playing college guard, basketball. If you said some other, the year before Brandon Miller and well, the year before it all went, you know, yeah, haywire down there for, uh, what's his name? I can picture him. What's the coach's name? Oh goodness. Well, I mean, Nate Oates is a coach Oates, now. Yeah, you. Nate Oates. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Nate Oates. Nate Oates. Um, all right. Uh, pop quiz in a few. Three one seven two three nine ten seventy for that. Let's do a morning check down. A little Pacers action to lead us off. Coliseum, March 11th and 12th. 
All right, one fifteen ninety nine. That's your final last night in Charlotte Pacers over the Hornets. Twenty eight and twenty three on the season are the Pacers. One big change, even with Halliburton starting and playing twenty minutes, was Andrew Nambhard being inserted into the lineup. He played twenty seven minutes there alongside Tyrese. Post game, Rick Carlisle on Nembhard getting the start. They're starting to get real synergy. Uh, you know, Nimhard back in the lineup is something we thought made sense really for this game and potentially the next few, we'll see. But he gives us he gives us flexibility and it makes the ecosystem of our roster work better. It sounds like that's the starting two guard moving forward again. The impact of that, Buddy Heal just played a season low in minutes. Trade deadline's Thursday. Are we connecting dots or are we not here? Thursday, three o'clock for the Pacers this week. Uh, they try to find some sort of kind of just even, even ground, if you will, leading into the All-Star break. Five games left until the All-Star break. The home ones, Rockets Tuesday, Warriors Thursday, and then on the road for three leading into the break. That is at Knicks on Saturday, at the Hornets next Monday, the final game before the All-Star break. Pascal Siakam's return game at Toronto coming up a week from Wednesday. <laughs> All right, we talked a lot of Purdue right there with Rob Blackman. Um, let's focus on the other positives from a college basketball sense here locally over the past weekend. Let's start with Friday night, the wee hours of that one. Butler Creighton, I will hand raised. I uh, I finally lost it with about eight minutes to go. I cannot stay up for the end of that one. 99-98 at Creighton, the balance of Butler once again on display. What a huge win for their resume. Jameel Telf- Telfort, outstanding in that one with 26. Without their starting point guard, Posh Alexander did not play. Butler goes on the road as a double-digit underdog and gets it done. They now are at UConn tomorrow night. But Andy, I mean, that game is just, it is purely house money. Like, the fact that you will have split Creighton and UConn, I mean, sure, UConn is big, but I would be willing to guess as we start to see the new bracketologies unfold this week, I would think Butler's going to be in over half of them. Let me give you a prediction. I'm going to say the consensus will be that they are the first team out. If if you did all the bracketologists today, wins? Well, like it's it's crazy. At Marquette and well, at Creighton let, and Texas Tech on a neutral, and I mean, I mean Villanova is a good g- win. Yeah, let me give you one. So like Villanova is and I'm looking at the net right now is now that's not the end all be all they're ranked higher than Butler I do not understand that Xavier is as well and so is SMU SMU has zero quad one wins and they're only 0-2 in those games so it's not like they've had a lot of opportunities that works against them they have one quad two win so, like, that's one of those things. They have a better record or the same record as Butler. I don't know how you say that you would have Butler behind a team like SMU. I'm interested. I know it's Monday. There's some – There's. I think there's only one top 25 game tonight. I think it's Kansas-Kansas State uh, is a top 25 match. And by the way, Kansas was impressive over the weekend. I don't know the way why they did that line wasn't Houston. bigger. I, I, that, that I don't either, me. but I, I think Kelvin Butler – Kelvin Sampson was laughing after the game that they were favored. I think Butler is going to be – Last team in, second to last team in, or first team out. That I think that will be the consensus. Still a lot of opportunities here in February. So That's good a news huge win. For Butler, huge win. Speaking of huge, Robbie Avila, the three with about, what, 50-ish seconds to go uh, with that game tied 67 all in Terre Haute. So the Sycamores of Indiana State now 20-3 and three on the year, 10-1 and one in the MoVal. They have a very manageable Missouri Valley uh, schedule the rest of the way in the regular season. 
I think when the new polls come out, you could be seeing a top 25 Indiana State team. Scotty Johnson, the last time Indiana State's been ranked? Oh, you're putting them on, uh, you're we go putting them on the spot. I like that. No, they've, they, they, they had some they had tournament teams. They had to sneak in the Who's top the 25 somewhere. Who's the shooter they had when they made the tournament? Menzer? Uh, Menzer? JMV needs to text me this. Ah, uh, boy, the name's escaping me right around the 2000 year. Uh, but, yes, we'll see when the new polls come out. Great win for Josh Schertz. A bunch, a fun game to watch. Uh, those are two teams that, again, I'm watching Drake and NDSA thinking those two teams deserve to be in over, I mean, do I really need to watch, I, I don't know, insert your middling Big Ten team make the tournament? I really enjoyed that one on Saturday evening. And, Andy, I'll let you close it out with Indiana. Oh, do I have to? Why are you handing me Indiana? Why are you handing me that bag of Indiana? The grenade. Of, there was a, two a, seconds a, on the shot clock, gren- and I threw you the ball. <laughs> you you drove the lane, and uh-huh. then you kicked it out to me, I and saw I'm you just open. sitting here. Uh, 85-71, Indiana disgrace in the second half. Outscored by 18 uh, in the second half. I mean, Khalil Ware was good again, but... You know, besides then, a little Malik Renew, but, I mean, there's nothing else. I don't have anything else positive. And the thing is, they're just so bad defensively, too. They're bad on offense. They don't shoot threes. They can't shoot free throws. And their their defensive numbers are just, I mean, they're going to be in the 200s in some of these defensive categories, perhaps, at the end of the year. Just bad, bad, bad. They have Ohio State coming up tomorrow night. Good luck. Yeah, I think you could make a strong argument the worst loss in the Woodson era. It's an Archie Miller loss. Uh, Penn State, without their leading score, they come into Assembly Hall 48 to 30 in the second half there for the Nittany Lions. As Indy or as Andy said, it is a reeling Ohio State team winners of one game in the past eight for them. Have you followed Archie how bad he's doing at Rhode Island? Oh, it's bad. They're isn't it? 206 in the net. They're between San Jose State and the Stetson Hatters. Mm. They're nine and twelve on Stetson's the season. Stetson's usually good at baseball. Yeah, because I have a buddy who's an IU fan. It's like the only solace is Archie's down 35. And I'm like I, I don't think that's – I mean, it, why, why do you care he's at Rhode Island? You're Indiana basketball. Quit worrying about Archie being down 38 points at some time. Grasping at straws right now. What's OG <laughs> Ananobi? What's Eric Gordon doing in the league? Yeah, that, you know, is Thomas Bryant scoring? <laughs> is Cody Zeller – does he have a cup of coffee still in the league? That's where we're at right now with Indiana. All right, pop quiz time is next. 317-239-1070 for that. Give us a call. We'll do the pop quiz. All right, so we'll get to a pop quiz here in just a second. Fun show. Reminder, check out the podcast. You miss any of our shows, 1075thefan.com. Scotty has given us the thumbs up. The last time Indiana State basketball was in the top 25 was Larry Bird's senior season. Is that right? I can't believe that. Michael Menzer, that was the name I was trying to get off the tip of my tongue. Uh, Batesville Pride, he was on the tournament team right there at the turn of the century there. But yeah, I, I don't know. Just I one week? One week. Yeah, just one week. All right, well, I think they got a and shot. Again, they were 31 last week. Yeah, I think they got the a receiving shot. votes, and we'll see how, you know, the rest of it played out. But yeah, I would think so there. I'm, try- I'm trying to look here what happened at the back end of... Uh, of the top twenty-five, like oh, like BYU, Dayton. I don't, I don't know if I don't. What did Alabama do this weekend? I know TCU lost at home, so TCU, TCU's number twenty-five, and I know TCU lost at home this weekend to Texas. Uh, so that would be at least one team that that, that that fell out. South Carolina won. They're right outside the top 25. I think South Carolina will be 
uh, back in the top 25. Um, da, 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 I'm looking again. Texas with that win. They're ahead of Indiana State. Memphis won again. They perhaps could be ahead of Indiana State as well. So I, I don't – listen, they probably won't be in the top 25, but if you stuck him in there number 25, I would have no problem with it. Well, they're going to be about, uh, curious about maybe it's more for their Missouri Valley tournament, but they don't play a lot of guys. You know, it, It's a very concentrated uh, starting five emphasis there. Uh, does that impact them when they get into the – I think the – I'm trying to think how the Moval works. I think they play three games in four nights. Uh, will that impact them at all? All right, uh, it is time for the pop quiz. Uh, Andy Sweeney, give us a number one through eight. Uh, let's do fast fingers. Caller number one. Who do we have, Corbin? We have Mike. Mike, good morning, sir. How are you, man? Uh, good morning, guys. Not too bad. Hey, Mike. How you doing, man? Hey. Uh, I'm going to uh, I'm gonna attempt to give it a better shot than what I did last Monday. Okay. Uh, it, refresh our memory. Was it a pathetic effort? Oh, it was terrible. Surprised God. you guys didn't hang up on me. Well, <laughs> like, at least you're honest here. At least you haven't been thinking about it for the last week. Terrible, here. terrible can be good. It also can be terrible. This is doable depends. on paper. It is. And by the way, I mean, Scotty's. Whenever the Pacers play a game, you should know what question number one is going to be. You should be ready for that. Mike, we're going to start there. The leading score last night in the Pacers-Hornets game was who? Pascal Siakam, P.J. Washington, Brandon Miller, or Aaron Neesmith? Brandon Miller. There we go. You watch him play, and it just screams uh, he's good. ball, George. Yeah, it does. He's a good player, too. He's on a bad team, but he's a pretty good player. All right, question number two. Purdue's win at Wisconsin yesterday was the Boilers' first road win over a team ranked in the top six in almost 30 years. Name the last top six team Purdue beat on the road. That was all the way back in 1994. Was it Indiana, Ohio State, Michigan State, or Michigan? Uh, man. It's a Let's, tough one. Yeah. A couple of their stars you, will be here for NBA All-Star Weekend, I think. Mm-hmm. One of them going to have a pretty big presence during the Rising Stars game. Oh, uh, I, man. Can, what was numbers two and three, options two and three? Uh, okay, so I'll just give all four of them. Indiana, Ohio State, Michigan State, or Michigan Michigan. Mike, number three, Super Bowl week is here, 58th edition, of course, on Sunday. In the history of the Super Bowl, two quarterbacks who played high school football in the state of Indiana have started in the Super Bowl. Can you name them both? Uh, it's played, they played high school football. High school football in in the state of Indiana, judging by your reaction. Let's just name one of them. (laughs) Um, I I guess Rex Grossman. Oh, well, hell, if you can name Rex, let's name both of them. South, good job. Let's get greedy here. This guy was a pretty darn good Uh, football player. Played at Purdue. uh, Drew, nah, I wouldn't have been Drew Brees. Um, Man. I don't know. Never even uh, heard of high school, Scotty. High school doesn't exist. Uh, who'd you say? Uh, I would have. Man. I thought, me. I don't know. Bob Greasy, maybe? Say no more, Mike. All right, question number four, Look Mike. This. On this day in 2012, Super Bowl 46 was played at Lucas Oil Stadium with the New York Giants coming from behind to upset the New England Patriots. Who scored the winning touchdown for the Giants? Was it Victor Cruz? Ama- 
You're th- what do you want to do here? You want to help him? You're thinking of 2000. You're Mine thinking of 2007. Yeah, no, you're right. It, it was a mod branch. All I'm sorry. There you go. All right. Coming to the Colts. I mean, he got excited. Hey, listen. Hey, last last Monday Love was a, a mod failure. Bradshaw. Love this a mod Bradshaw. A, a far cry. Mod Bradshaw, one of my favorite Colts. All right, close it out, Mike. Happy 82nd birthday to Pro Football Hall of Famer Roger Staubach. Staubach served as the backup QB for the Cowboys in Super Bowl V. The QB he was backing up is celebrating his 81st birthday today. Hmm. Name this quarterback who was the first to start a Super Bowl at QB for two different teams. Oh, man. He was the so he was the Cowboys quarterback? Correct, and started for one other Super Bowl team. Oh, y'all are going to win. Easy now, Mike. We don't have the one to have to hit the dump button here on a Monday. We're saving that for Carlisle tomorrow. We save that for the head coach of the Pacers. It, man, I know who this is too. He's uh I know he's a cow guy. I got a Oh man. Mike, we got about uh seven seconds, brother. Craig, man, I'm Craig Morton. I don't think that's right though. <laughs> God. Did he did he pull that out of thin air? <laughs> I don't know what he did. What did he do there? I, I, I don't know what he did. I, did I don't he, know what he did. Did he safari I, it up? Did I don't he Google know. Chrome it up? I what did he do there? When you go with, I don't know, is it, uh, is it Craig Morton? I don't know. Is it Bob Greasy? You know, he did that twice. I mean, to work he the did internet twice. that fast, you got to give him credit. He didn't sound like, here's the thing. I see Scotty smiling. He didn't pull away from the phone. Does no, that make sense? No, if no. there was, he if his, on speaker. Yeah, if his voice would have trailed off right. a couple times, we would have said, "Come on, you're looking down at your phone." So the sound was consistent, and we like Mike, but I think Mike also was embarrassed by last week. I agree, and yeah. so he wanted to to do well this time. I'm giving him benefit know. of the doubt. Number one, the leading scorer last <laughs> night, Pacers Hornets. Indeed, Brandon Miller. Are you really giving him the benefit of the I doubt? Think I or am. You? Okay. Brandon Miller, right? Uh, the last top 16, Purdue beat on the road Michigan. in 94. Yeah, 1994. I was going Number Jalen three. Rose for the All Star yes. game. He'll be a coaching one of the Rising Stars team. Uh, Rex Grossman, and eventually he got to Bob Greasy. So, Bob Greasy's high school was at Rex Monday High School. That doesn't exist any, any, any longer. Okay. What is that high school? I had never yeah. heard of it. It okay. is Catholic modern day or something. Evans will write. Uh, Ahmad Bradshaw for number four, one of Andy's favorites. Love Ahmad Bradshaw. And I, boy, now that I think about it, I may be having, I'm having some regrets about that statement. <laughs> Craig Morton out you, of thin you, air. You, you even tried to say seven seconds. You're like a $5,000 fine in the Big Ten. You just drew a number. <laughs> you have seven seconds to get Craig Morton. Mike, five for five. Congrats <laughs> on that. We'll vet it during the break. We'll do it one final time here. All right, fun show today on this Reaction Monday. Appreciate you hanging out. If you miss any of the fine program here, the wake-up call, 1075thefan.com. Download the podcast, The Best Of. We'll have that up shortly after the show. JMV at 3, Query and Company coming your way at noon. A couple minutes here, uh, KB. I wanted to throw a story your way. I don't know if you happen to see this over the weekend. Do you know who Janai Broom is by any chance? No. Uh, he is the big man for Auburn oh, basketball. Yeah. Dominated. 
played in and Notre he, Dame and he was, this year. And he was one of those transfers. We talk about a good transfer. He was one of them. Uh, Janai Broom had 15-9-7 over the weekend as Auburn went into uh, Ole Miss in Oxford and won by 14. That was a big win, Ole Miss, with Chris Beard and company. A nice team there. They're 18-4 now on the season. The reason I bring it up, do you know who is a huge Ole Miss fan? I, I saw the oh, video. So you did see uh-huh. Morgan. Did. So yes. for people that don't know, Morgan Freeman is a huge Ole Miss fan. He sits courtside, obviously. He's Morgan Freeman, okay? Where else would he sit? He's courtside. He's in the student section with his shirt off. Yeah, and he kind of he kind of uh, grabs the back of the jersey of Brooms when Brooms is going to inbound a pass. He does it before the play and everything else. And Brooms slaps a hand, doesn't look, slaps his hand away, and then he looks behind him and sees that it's Morgan Freeman. And he's mortified that he has slapped away the hand of Morgan Freeman. So they make up, and then after the next TV timeout, he comes and and he gives him a hug and everything, and a and a and a shake of a hand and everything else. But Janai Broom hanging out with Morgan Freeman gives him a little slap. Morgan Freeman had to be thinking, "What the hell's going on here?" His what reaction was priceless. <laughs> Absolutely priceless. He, he did legitimately feel bad. Did you watch one minute of the Pro Bowl? No. Nothing. Smart. Nothing. I saw the replay of Gardner Minshew. Everybody have a great, great Monday. Again, thank you to Tony East, Rob Blackman. Best of podcast will be up. We'll have Rick Carla on tomorrow. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.